All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Man with freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. You are tuned in to the Spoken. Spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Lance Twidwell. This is the Spoken Podcast. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell. Here inside the Spoken Studios with my guy, Trevor Twidwell. What's good? And Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. Episode 158, Full Swing, Full Motion, man. We are so happy to be here with you guys. We're so happy that you are here with us. As we do each and every week, we appreciate from whether you're live streaming, your Facebook, or your YouTubing, or your podcasting like the originals did. We want to thank you for being here with us, man, because we got a lot to talk about. we got a lot of sports to get to. There's a lot going on. we got the the all the tournaments going on, getting ready for March Madness. This is one of the best times of the year when it comes to basketball if you follow college sports, which we don't talk a lot about here, but we got maybe takes here or there. we got a, a great great few games coming up uh, today with that. In regards to that, the NBA is going all full-fledged. We have NFL free agency news coming about because this upcoming Monday – the free agency season kicks off, and that is when things really start to get good. We've heard some incredible, incredible stories coming out already, things that have been confirmed in the league, across the league, and we're going to get to all that in just a second. We have the Eddie Hour. We're going to get some thought-provoking questions, I'm assuming, from our guy Eddie. And uh, we have, the, of course, we're going to be handing out some else because we do that each and every week. You, guys know, you already know how this thing goes down, man. And speaking of going down, what a freaking week it has already been. Again, Free agency hasn't even officially begun yet, and we have heard about trades. We've heard about signings that are not official until Monday, but we know that they're going down. And that's actually where I want to start right here and right now. I hope you guys are strapped in, buckled in, maybe because I have a lot to say, and I can't wait to get Trevor and Eddie's thoughts on what I'm about to say, because there has been a storm brewing in the AFC West in particular. And that storm has been filled with panic, dismay, and fear. And I am here to be the one to bring some calm to said storm. First off on Monday, the Chiefs tagged left tackle Orlando Brown Jr. as everyone expected. His cap hit is currently sitting at around $16.5 million, which would go directly against, like I said, the cap. So the Chiefs are going to obviously not leave that as is. They're going to be looking for that long-term extension to obviously, obviously soften the blow of that cap hit, bring that down, and also sure up Orlando Brown Jr. for the foreseeable future. According to SpotRack, which you guys know is a Bible to me, uh, his current market value is currently sitting at five years, $116.5 million, which is a little over $23 million per year. This is where I stand on this. I would give Orlando Brown Jr. every single penny of that, because Orlando Brown Jr. is worth every single penny of that. Trent Williams is widely considered the best left tackle in football. And at worst, top three. Well, last season, Orlando Brown Jr. not only played 191 more snaps than Trent Williams, he only allowed three more sacks and had the exact same amount of penalties as Trent Williams had last season. And Trent Williams only gave up one sack and had seven total penalties. I'll let you do the math. And this is considering the fact that not only did Brown Jr. go from one team to the next between 2020 and 2021, 
Not only did he go from a run-heavy offense in Baltimore to a pass-heavy offense in Kansas City, but also went from primarily playing right tackle to now only playing left tackle and played to the level of the best. Not even 26 years old yet, Orlando Brown Jr. has yet to be viewed as a long-term it has to be viewed as a long long-term answer to ensure Patrick Mahomes' health and safety for years to come, especially when considering some of the recent moves within the AFC West alone. Speaking of some of those AFC West moves. Just one day later after Orlando Brown Jr. had gotten his franchise tag, the Broncos made a big, big move. Trading for the longtime Seahawks star quarterback, Russell Wilson, for two first-round picks, two second-round picks, one fifth-round pick, Noah Fant, Shelby Harris, and Drew Locke as a throw-in. And boy, did this send Chiefs fans into a panicking frenzy. But here I am to calm down the situation by providing some context. And Trevor, you know that I don't like to provide that. I like to, you know, Absolutely obviously not. ignore that. Yep. Here are the positives of the Broncos trading for Russell Wilson because there are a lot of them. First of all, the negatives begin outside of Russell Wilson. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give those negatives in a second. But you're fooling yourself if you don't believe that a team that in week 17 of just last season who was in playoff contention with Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater as their quarterback, didn't dramatically and drastically get better. Because they did. Russell Wilson, coming off the worst season of his career, and we'll talk about all the negatives in a second, but coming off the worst season of his career, still had 25 touchdowns and only 6 interceptions with a 103 quarterback rating. And going to a team now that was a team, again, that was that close to making the playoffs without a top 30 quarterback you know that this team automatically becomes a playoff contender. We all know that Russell Wilson is still very much a top 10 quarterback. Maybe not a top 5 anymore. For the last 4 or 5 years, he's easily been a top 5 quarterback. There was a time where maybe he was the second best quarterback in football. But I think that time has come to a close. And Russell Wilson, although will be 34 in November is still showing signs that he has maybe the deep, best deep ball in football. And we know that in Denver with that thin air, that is perfect for what they do out there. Peyton Manning's career was extended because of that thin air up there in Broncos land because we know that Peyton Manning's arm was never great. And as he got older, it only got worse and worse, and he still looked great almost till the end. This is going to benefit Russell Wilson. This is going to benefit the Broncos because this is a this is a, a recipe of, albeit, desperation from both sides. But nevertheless, is going to make a lot of sense for a team that is that is desperately trying to get back into playoffs because they haven't been in the playoffs in seven seasons. And this is a good change of scenery for Russell Wilson. So again, I want to make sure and put that out there, that the Broncos are better today than they were without Russell Wilson, just by signing him. But here are some of the negatives. And again, they start outside of Russell Wilson. The Broncos hired Nathaniel Hackett to be their next head coach. He was the former Packers offensive coordinator who did not even call plays for the Packers. Furthermore, they had the fifth overall de best defense last season, and they had that had a lot to do with Vic Fangio, who is no longer there. This, to me, reminds me so much. It sounds, looks, and feels a lot like the Chargers when they moved on from Anthony Lynn to Gus and Gus Bradley and brought in offensive-minded coach Brandon Staley to take over. Their offense was good, but their defense dropped seven spots in scoring defense from one season to the next. Now, here's another few things I want to give out as examples when it comes to why I think there are a lot of negatives as well when it comes to a great quarterback moving on and how the success sometimes doesn't follow them. 
And here's a list of a couple guys. And some of them actually did work out, but I'm going to tell you why they worked out. The first one I want to give out as an example when it comes to Russell Wilson is Steve Young. The Bucks traded 26-year-old Steve Young to the 49ers in 1987. Young ended up playing 13 seasons in San Francisco, 8 as the starting quarterback, going 78-25 and in the regular season, 8-6 and in the playoffs, and won the Super Bowl in 1994. Brett Favre was traded from the Falcons at 23 years old to the Packers in 1992, one season after being drafted in the second round. He went 160-93 and in the regular season, 12-10 and in the playoffs, and won the Super Bowl in 19, 1996 through 16 seasons. Joe Montana. The 49ers traded Joe Montana to the Chiefs in 1993. Montana was 37 years old, coming off two seasons where he missed all but one game due to injuries. Didn't stop the Chiefs from trading a first-round pick to the San Francisco 49ers for him, nevertheless. Went 17-8 and in the regular season and 2-2 two and two in the playoffs and never got to the Super Bowl. What about Warren Moon? Traded to the Oilers, uh, traded from the Oilers to the Vikings at 38 years old. They went 21 and 18 and 0 and 1 in the playoffs. How about Matt Stafford, my guy? Traded from the Lions to the Rams at 33 years old in 2021. So far, has gone 12 and 5 in the regular season, 4 and 0 in the playoffs, and won the Super Bowl. Anyone notice a trend here? Outside of Matt Stafford, who finally got his chance to play with a great head coach and team this last season. The only trades on this list that ultimately panned out the way that teams and trade that teams that traded for these quarterbacks wanted it to were quarterbacks like Steve Young and Brett Favre, Brett Favre were either in their early or mid twenties, and none of these five quarterbacks had a division and conference as stacked as Russell Wilson now has in Denver. And and look, I, I, Wilson began his career about as good as you can. In his first eight playoff games, the the Seahawks went six and two with two Super Bowl appearances. That's, that's legendary. Since then. They went three and five, one and three in their last four playoff appearances with zero Super Bowl appearances. He's now with the Broncos, who not only have been to the playoffs and had not been to the playoffs since 2015, or when Peyton Manning retired, rather, but now have a rookie head coach that has that was an offensive coordinator that again did not call his own plays. I'm supposed to believe that Russell Wilson and the Broncos' seven-year stretch of playoff failures or failure to reach the playoffs at all are going to change for the better now that they're together? I'm supposed to believe that a soon-to-be 34-year-old quarterback who's 5'11", who's been sacked 476 times in his career, 427 of them in the regular season, which currently ranks 14th all-time, and 49 of them are in the playoffs, which actually ranks 5th all-time, Makes this team a Super Bowl contender when he hasn't even played in a conference championship since he was 26 years old? I'm supposed to believe that with all this to consider, Russell Wilson is going to elevate the Broncos beyond the juggernaut Bills and the Kings of the Kingdom Chiefs, especially when their defense that many assumed would continue to be great are now going to lose key players to free agency and just fired their defensive-minded head coach who is one of the best defensive minds in the league. That's not even mentioning the potential of what Justin Herbert and the Chargers could become, Joe Burrow and the Bengals, who literally just played in the Super Bowl, or Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, who were only down la who were the down last season more than anybody else, suffered more injuries than any two teams, yet still had more wins at the end of the season than the Broncos. Russell Wilson's Broncos are a playoff contender, but they are not a Super Bowl contender. Then on Thursday, we learned that the Chargers traded a second and sixth round pick to acquire former Raiders and Bears edge rusher Khalil Mack. And boy, did this move send Chiefs fans into a panicking frenzy. But here I am again, 
Trevor, you're, you're, Eddie, you guys are witnesses. I'm here to bring calm by providing even more context. First of all, I completely understand what the Chargers are attempting to do by acquiring Mac. He's had a handful of stellar seasons in the past. And actually, I looked this up. This is an incredible stat. He is the only player in NFL history to be named a first-team All-Pro at two different positions at the same in the same season. It's phenomenal. That was seven years ago. That was two teams ago. That was a different Khalil Mack ago. Khalil Mack is 31, and he's going to be 32 this year, and hasn't had double-digit sacks in, over four, in four seasons. Not only that, Mack has missed 10 games last season with a foot injury. And as we have seen throughout the seasons, throughout the history of this league, players that rely on leverage and speed that deal with lower extremity injuries while in their 30s, it doesn't usually bode well for them and their teams. And the biggest problem with his injury concern is he's teaming up with another prolific pass rusher in Joey Bosa that although is going to be only 27 years old in, in, this year in July, has missed his fair share of games in his career as well. Since his rookie season in 2016, Bosa has missed 17 games and has left several other games with injuries. Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack have missed a combined 28 games since only 2018. That's seven games a season. So not only does this their biggest acquisition deal with the same issues their best defensive player currently deals with, he's also four years older and is coming off his worst season of his career. Not only that, the acquisition of Mack doesn't help the Chargers fix their biggest issue on defense. The Chargers finished 30, 30th in rush defense last season. Mack is, a run, Mack is not a run stopper. Mack is a pass rusher. Adding more pass rush isn't going to change the glaring fact that the Chargers have a gaping hole in their defense. The way I see it, man, when it comes to Khalil Mack, Khalil Mack is more of a name than a football player at this point of his career. But sure, this move, along with the Broncos getting Russell Wilson, are all clear and precise decisions to take down the Chiefs. I get that. But as we all know, these teams have 15 other opponents besides the Chiefs to take on and take out. And if they're not fixing their biggest issue, how am I supposed to believe that they will tally up enough wins to do what they initially set out to do? Beating the Chiefs is one thing. Being better than the Chiefs is another. All this panic over a declining pass rusher joining a team that's 15-17 and 17 in their last two seasons with Justin Herbert and have Brandon Staley as their head coach is not worth panicking over. All this panic over Russell Wilson joining a team that hasn't been in the playoffs since the Obama administration, that fired a defensive-minded genius in Vic Fangio, that is now led by a rookie head coach that didn't even call plays at his former job, is not worth panicking over. But the gap is closing in the AFC West. I heard this all week long. As soon as these, these acquisitions, these trades started to take place on radio, fans, Twitter, you name it. I was seeing it. People are freaking the fuck out. Maybe you guys can, you know, d debate me on this, but I'm, I'm pretty sure this is fact. The Chiefs currently have the best head coach, quarterback, tight end, and wide receiver group in the NFL, correct? Correct. Okay. The Chargers have yet to make the playoffs with Herbert, and Russell Wilson has two fewer playoff wins since 2016 than Nick Foles and Matt Stafford, who had zero before this last season. I would get this fear of the Chiefs taking a backseat if Patrick Mahomes was no longer the best quarterback in the NFL. He was an aging quarterback, or they had an aging roster that lost their grip on the AFC West and the AFC last season, along with these moves made by the Broncos and Chargers. I would understand it. I'd be like, look, man, the Chiefs' time is over. None of that is true. 
None of that has happened. How many games... I want to go down history real quick with you guys. How many games have the Chiefs have won the AFC West over the second-place team, second team during their six-year uh, six winning streak of the AFC West? In 2016, when Alex Smith was still here, the Chiefs only won that by a half game over the Braiders. That was a Braiders' really good season. Derek Carr was an MVP candidate, all that. And Alex Smith's final season, they won it by one full game. The next season, Patrick Mahomes' first season over the Chargers, they won by only a half game. You guys remember the controversial win in overtime in, in Arrowhead. The Chargers went 12-4, and four, Chiefs went 12-4, and four, but they had a better conference and division record. The next three seasons, the Chiefs won the AFC West in 2019 by five games. 2020, they won it by six games. And then in 2021, last season, they won it by two games. Now, you look at that two-game margin, you think, oh, they, you know, it's, it's, they're catching up. In 2021, the Chiefs started out the season with a 3-4 record, and the Raiders won 10 games. Who finished second? Yet the Chiefs still won the West comfortably by two games. Two games in a division is comfortable. There was no race, and the Chiefs, again, started the first half of the season with a losing record, and the Raiders won 10 games. Think about how insane that is to think about. 10-game winning team, 3-4 team to start off. They win by This team wins by two games. Since Mahomes... Era began in 2018. The Chiefs have won the AFC West by an average of three games, and more particularly, have won it by five games in Herbert's record-breaking rookie year, and won it by two games in his second season when Herbert's Chargers finished third. The point I'm making is, just because the other AFC West teams are improving their rosters, doesn't mean that they're surpassing the Chiefs who they themselves, who will not only continue making their own upgrades, but the fact that they will still have clear advantages at key positions. The Chiefs have by far the best head coach in the division. The Chiefs have by far the best quarterback in the division. These are not debatable. They're not. The Chiefs have by far the best wide receiver tight end duo in the division. The Chiefs have the best offensive line in the division. These are cornerstones to success, and the Chiefs have the upper hand in all these areas. So although I, I do understand that it's worth paying attention to these recent acquisitions from the Broncos and Chargers, don't fool yourself into thinking that the Chiefs are going to stand still and not do anything while taking direct divisional competition seriously. Because they won't. They won't stand by. The Chiefs know better than even we do that there is a transcendent, they have a transcendent, uh, transcendentally great quarterback they have no intention of wasting. Getting back to the Super Bowl is their goal, and the first step in achieving said goal is to continue dominating the division they've won six straight seasons. So while others panic, I'm choosing to stay calm. Because the next four years, to me, look to be even greater than the last four. And will it be easy? Fuck no. Nothing is when it comes to the NFL. But as long as Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and Brett Veach are in Kansas City, guys, I will choose to believe that the Chiefs will always have the upper hand. Trevor, I want to start with you. Take this week back. Tell me what you think of these moves. How do you feel? Do you share similar sentiments, or do you feel differently than I do? Um, I mean, I'm neutral on the Broncos being called a contender. Um, I'm not going to say they're not. I'm not going to say they are. Um, I do think that's a massive upgrade at quarterback, Just not even just for what his skill set can bring for that offense and change. Uh, 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 you know, the, the, the culture over there offensively. <laughs> um, but just his, um, his experience... Uh, he's a smart quarterback, um, you know, can make the deep throws. So, I mean, it was tough beating the Broncos last year um, with, you know, whatever quarterback they had back there. Um, Drew Locke almost beat us. We almost, we almost let that happen. Um, so, and he ran two touchdowns on us. That's, you know, it, that happened. So, um, it, it is going to be that much tougher. I mean, I, the Chiefs are still the best team. I don't think anyone's – I don't know who's debating that. The Chiefs are still definitely the best team in this division because – 
the game still got to be played. The players still got to go play and show that they're better than us at some point. But they're not. But we had to fight tooth and claw or tooth and nail last season just to scrap by to win this division. It came down to the last games, right? And we were down. And we, we there's no way we can go into a slump like we did last year and expect to make it uh, out of that this year. It's going to be that much more competitive. Um, so if we go into a slump, we're in a we're in a tough spot. Like if we do anything similar to last season, so. Um, yeah, I mean, we've got to improve just as much as any of them did. Um, I expect a lot of moves still to be made for the Chiefs, and we're being patient right now, which I, I like. Um, letting kind of, you know, things fall into place and um, get the best deal for certain players in certain positions, certain things we need. Um, and we still have a draft, you know? There's still a lot of things that can change dramatically and be like, oh, fuck, here go the Chiefs. They just got Amari Cooper. Or, oh, fuck, here goes the Chiefs. They just got so-and-so, you know, Bobby Wagner or whatever. Um, so there's still a lot of things, a lot of names that can be rotated around in this league to, to drastically change everyone's perspective on this division. The Chiefs are still best, the best team in this division. The Chiefs are still the best team in the AFC. Um, uh, I mean, this is this is as competitive as it gets, man. This might be the most stacked AFC division I've seen in a long time, with the Bills still very much being the second best team in my mind. But who knows what the Titans are going to be? The Titans just were the one seed this offseason. No one even wants to talk about them. Granted, we know we don't believe in them in the postseason. That's still a tough team to beat. There's so much talent in the AFC. Um, I, the Mac move, I, I I think that's a great move for the Chargers. Um, it's a lot of money to take on. It's still a lot of money on that contract. Million. Right. So that's kind of a. I don't know if I if I'm a GM, I wouldn't have made that movie even if I was the Chargers and you want to make you know have that namesake kind of guy. Like you said, Khalil Mack's more of a name guy than he is you know, like in a dominant force in this league. But that's a good system. I think him alongside Bosa, as long as they can stay healthy, that is a deadly duo because we've seen. I believe Khalil Mack is is the better player than Melvin Ingram, and Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa were a dynamic duo for some years there. So I think that can be a, a, a deadly force there on the defensive end. Granted. That doesn't help them. That not help them getting after the quarterback better, but stopping the run up the gut and you know uh, this this lack of speed on the on the e- and the edges there, um, letting running backs run all over them is still gonna be a problem. It, it seems. Um, but look, man, um, the Raiders are still gonna be back. They're still gonna have they're gonna have moves to make. So this is gonna be a competitive through and through from start to finish. Um, I think the Russell Wilson move is huge. I really do. I think that's a, a massive move for this division. It shakes this thing up. Um, just with, like I said, with his experience, and I think that they are, in my mind, I would lean more towards them being a contender than not. I'm talking Super Bowl contender because I love that defense, and I love Cortland Sutton, the receiver over there. I love Jerry Judy. I think Russ is going to unlock those guys. They've been held back by terrible quarterback play. Uh, and those guys are elite talents in my mind when healthy. Jerry Judy is one of the one of the better young route runners and guy that he's one. He's still tops in the league at creating space. He's very good at that. That's deadly. Um, you get a guy that can create space with Russell Wilson. That's deadly. And you got a dom- dominant tall receiver like Cortland Sutton who can get up and get in is great in the red zone. With it's, it's basically like his receivers in Seattle, you know, with Tyler Lockett and DK, similar kind of dynamic type of players, similar skill sets, just going to Denver now um, with the with tops defense now, you know, backing them up in a, in a fairly good offensive line. Um, so that's a big change for us. It's going to be a big breath, breath of fresh air for him. So he's excited. He's motivated. A motivated Russell Wilson. That's been slacking a little bit. I think that's a scary sighting in this division. But this division goes through Patrick Mahomes, who's the best quarterback in this league. This division goes through Andy Reid, who is the best coach in this league right now. Uh, this division goes through Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, two of the best, if not the best, skill, skill position players in their, within their position, arguably. Um, so, yeah, man. Um, I'm not. There hasn't been too many moves outside of those ones uh, in the AFC, anyways, that have made any big difference. Um, the Bills are still second to me. The Bills are still our biggest threat in the AFC. Um, 
So, look, man, I'm not worried. Is there, I, I, I kind of stay out of the Twitter sphere loop. Like, I don't see a lot of the panic and stuff that you're talking about. I don't really see a lot of it. I can only go from my, my perspective. I keep my perspective pure from what my thoughts are, from the outlook of it all. Um, but I, I'm not panicking. I still think we're the best. I think I still think we're going to go win this division. I really do. Um, I think this our home field advantage is better than anyone else's in this league. So when teams come play here, and I expect adjustments to be made. Um, I don't think we're going to struggle like we did. I don't think we're going to go through the rough patch that we went through this past season. I think that's going to harshly be, uh, um, you know, addressed. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to continue to evolve. I mean. Like we've 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 ad nauseum hit this point. Pat is still a young guy. Pat had so much success early on. There's gonna be stumbling. There's gonna be, you know, plateaus. There's gonna be stu- rough patches for him. He's still growing, and I expect him to get better this season. Learn how to overcome those certain coverages, and just, you know, and who knows what moves we're gonna make. Like I said, like you got a guy's got to chill for a minute. The Chiefs are still gonna make moves, right? We're still gonna go acquire some talent offensively, defensively, and then this draft as well. Get some young guys. So, we are still the team everyone's looking up to. Right, we're not on everyone's level. We're the top here. Um, everyone's still looking up as the Chiefs, the team to beat. That's why we're still the odds-on favorite to go win the Super Bowl, come out of the AFC. Uh, there's a reason for that because we know we had that reputation, and I expect us to uphold that reputation heading into this next season. Okay. The, the biggest point I would disagree with you, Lance, is uh, the Chiefs went into division last year comfortably. I, I don't think that was comfortable at all. Yeah, you can see it. Uh, you can go back and 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 look at the, this. Uh, at the records that uh, two two game lead uh, from second place in the AFC West, it was tough. It, yeah. it, that was a lot closer than what it seemed. Uh, yeah, the Chiefs started three and four. Obviously, you you started seeing a little bit of the struggles that the Chiefs were were, were having last season, and, and and you saw other teams starting to take advantage. So I'm not just gonna discredit uh, like the Broncos getting Russell Wilson or uh, the Chargers getting Khalil uh, Mack. <clears throat> These moves only prove that they're hunting. For the, they're hunting the Chiefs. They're trying to take uh, the king down, in a, in, a, in a way. So, Russell Wilson going to the Broncos or the Broncos getting Russell Wilson. That's a massive move, and it's something the Chiefs have to pay attention to, defensive wise. Why? Because we struggled last year against good quarterbacks. This defense was not great against a good quarterback, and Russell Wilson's a good quarterback. He can go out there and make plays like any other quarterback. So that that's one big move the Chiefs defense has to pay attention to, uh, offensive wise. Uh, yeah, Khalil Mack, it's a it's a big name, like you said, it's a big name, but is the player still the same? Uh, so I understand where this this concern is coming from. Uh, seeing these moves early into uh, right before uh, free agency, and the Chiefs obviously staying put and having to deal with their own players still with their uh, contract extensions or even re-signing players. So that's why I, I think a little cheese are, are not concerned, but they're just kind of like, uh, like, come on, do something. Yeah. Like, we, we don't like staying put. So either extend, Ty, uh, uh, extend Tyreek Hill, sign Tyre Matthew, and then l- l- little by little, let's do something. So it, it's a little, it's a little, uh, I guess, you, not overwhelming or anything. It's just kind of like, uh, how can I describe it? Exhausting. Yeah, I guess you can say exhausting. It's not worrying or anything. It's just exhausting. It's just seeing other teams uh, prepare before the league year even begins uh, to to take down the Chiefs. And the Chiefs obviously not doing anything. Mm. So 
a lot of time left. Yeah, I, I, I get it. It's a lot of time left. So I think that's why a lot of teams are, like I said, seeing these moves early and before the league year begins. It, it, it's kind of like uh, put a little bit of stress on, on fans, I guess you can say. Uh, but, yeah, we can't – well, I can't downplay those, those big upgrades for those teams. Uh, so – Obviously, the Chiefs are still the best team in the, a- in the AFC as a whole. Not just the AFC West, but the AFC as a whole. Uh, the Broncos, depending on what Russell Wilson Russell Russell can bring to this team, they can they can contend for the for the division and can even contend in the playoffs. We don't know yet. We gotta see. We gotta see through uh, this whole free agency. We gotta see uh, off season uh, up until we can see see in. Uh, in uh, Fuck! What is that called? Training, uh, camp, training camp. Once training camp begins, and we can kind of get a bigger, a better, clearer picture of what we can expect from these teams. But like I said, we cannot discredit these teams making these massive moves. <clears throat> I want. I want to start with a reaction I have with Trevor. And I want to get to what Eddie you just said because you guys both made some very valid points. Um, something I will combat with when when you when you talked about the current state of the roster for the Broncos, mm. and you talked about how you know Russell's inheriting this really good defense. I have to reiterate the fact that losing Vic Fangio is a massive loss. It is. It could be. It, it, I, I think it's going to be because Anthony Lynn and Gus Bradley moving on from the Chargers, who still had a very talented – you look at that Chargers defense last year, they were talented throughout, and they were still one of the bottom Yeah, yeah but you're kind of leaving defenses. out some details there about injuries. They had Bosa in and out a lot of games. Yes. Derwin James wasn't available. I mean, those are two massive – And those are, two, those are two guys they're relying on heavily going so into the next So they didn't just lose their coordinator. They lost – what, what I'm saying, though, is those guys are known to be injured, so I'm, I'm factoring yeah. that in for next season as well. And for the Broncos, they've, they're going to lose Kyle Fuller to free agency, who was a key acquisition for them at the cornerback position. They're going to lose Chris Harris, who's not there anymore, and he's 33 years Possibly. old anyway. They could yeah. bring him back. They he's, could be back. He's, he's been on the tail end anyway. He was yeah. good last season, not great. Yeah. So losing two very key facting veteran players to protect the pass game, which we know is important in this division with Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert on the other side, even Derek Carr, if you want to throw him in there, who's been a very solid quarterback in his career. Mm-hmm. So, I, I get what you're saying. My point, though, is I think there's a lot of unknowns for the Broncos' defense moving forward because now Nathaniel Hackett, a more offensive-minded head coach, without that Vic Fangio presence there, yeah. who is one of the best minds in defensive football outside of Bill Belichick, that's a massive loss to me, and I want to keep an eye on that. That's all I'm going to say about it. The Broncos could still have a very good defense. I can't imagine it's going to be the fifth-best defense I'm not saying it's going to be exactly what it was last year, but yeah. say they take they, they drop five, six, that's seven, seven sp- spots. Yeah, I think the impact... From Russell Wilson's impact on the offense is yeah. that mu- is that much better though, and that's the second key I wanted to get to as well is that you guys know that I believe that yeah. Russell Wilson right now I have him about the eighth best quarterback. They seen the quarterback no go not go turn the ball over because right. that's all they were getting last. So year. he's going to make a dramatic change for this team. Yeah. He's going to make them a better team. We can all acknowledge that. But the for problem sure. is that we're looking on that from the optimistic standpoint. There is also the other side of this. Again, he's going to be 34 this year, which isn't old, but for an undersized quarterback that is old. Second of all, he had a massive finger injury to his throwing hand, which is something that can linger. We've seen that throughout history. Other quarterbacks have hand injuries. Yes, that's another thing. The other part of this is the damage his body has taken throughout the For years. Sure. He is the most sacked quarterback outside of Cam Newton in this last in the last decade. It's a much, much better offensive line over there. But Cam yeah. Newton is like seven and eight, seven eight inches taller than Cam, than Russell Wilson, about forty pounds heavier, and his body broke down. Well, his impacts, a lot of his impacts, True. are voluntary. I'm just saying that a lot of, yeah. Ru- a lot of Russell's taken a 
pounding yeah. in his career, almost yeah, yeah, 500 yeah. sacks in a 10-year span. Yeah. That's stupid. Yeah. So my point I'm trying to make is that we can't definitively say what we will be getting from Russell Wilson. I'm expecting him to be the guy of old, where he's throwing 42, 4,300 yards, 30 touchdowns, 5 to 10 interceptions. I'm excited about it. Yeah, exactly. This makes, the, games, this makes man. intrigue. Yeah, There's yeah, more intrigue yeah. here. You know what I mean? It makes yeah. the Broncos better. Therefore, the Chiefs, and this is what I was going to say in just a second, but I can go ahead and throw it out there now to the fact you just said it. To me, this is this might be a blessing in disguise for the Chiefs. Yeah. Because now, the Chiefs, I don't think the Chiefs are ever going to just rest on their laurels and just sit here back and go, oh, we're good. But this now gives them that much more incentive to be as aggressive as Veach has always been on brand. Like, that's his brand, yeah. is going out there, making moves, and knowing that, hey, listen, draft picks are nice, getting the future is nice, but let's go ahead and get out there and go get some guys that can help us day one. It's like the LeBron James effect where I want veterans. I want guys. Like even Patrick Mahomes has been saying that this offseason, according to reports, that he would rather see the Chiefs go out there and get a veteran wide receiver than go and draft a wide receiver if he had to make that choice. That's because he knows that a guy can step in here, learn the offense, and all of a sudden you got your guy for the next couple of years or just one year to help you elevate into another Super Bowl. So that's all I'm saying about the whole Broncos side of things. I, I think this yeah. team is exciting. Broncos fans should be excited, but I think there's a lot of questions on that team still both offensively and defensively because we don't know for sure what they're going to bring on either side of the table. That's why I'm saying with Russell Wilson, they are for sure a playoff contender. I think they are because one week one week from the end of the season, they were in playoff hunt. They were in the playoff hunt before the Chiefs beat them. Yeah. That's what happened. Now with Russell Wilson, I think those chances go up substantially. Now on the Chargers side of things, I agree with what you guys are saying about how you know, this team is talented as hell. Khalil Mack is going to help elevate their team to the next level. Justin Herbert, we're all expecting him to take the next step. Their is back. Yeah. Man, my whole hang-up, though, with them is still Brandon Staley. I said this last year, why I didn't pick the Chargers to go to the playoffs. Because I had no idea what the hell Brandon Staley was going to bring to the team. He's a def- He was actually a defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Came over here to the Chargers, and their defense got substantially worse. Yeah. Unless they're going to go and get a J.C. Jackson to help their secondary, which Rumbles. they very well could. Yeah. I, I don't know how this defense is going to just prolifically get better because, again, their biggest hang-up was what? They couldn't stop the run. Everybody ran all over them. People thought the Chiefs were giving up running rushing yards. The Chargers were way worse than the Chiefs' defense was defensively. So, or in the rushing defensive side of things. Um, there was something else you said, Eddie, that I'm not, I'm not uh, remembering specifically, but the, 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 call, the reason why I'm so adamant about the calm is because, of course, these teams are going to get better. They know they have to be no to stay panic. relevant. Yeah. But again, um, like with even because you said last season about how the Chiefs. Oh, that, that's what it was. The Chiefs couldn't get to the uh, to, couldn't stop good quarterbacks. They were giving up what was it thirty points a game or something like that to good top tier quarterbacks. I, I addressed that about the Josh Allen situation in the playoffs and how you know Joe Burrow, though wasn't great, was getting what he wanted in the AFC Championship a lot of times. Here's here's the reason why I'm confident, even with those things can, to be considered is that while the Chargers and the Broncos get better at certain aspects, and they got better last season. The Chargers were a better team than they were the year before. The Broncos were a better team than they were the year before. And it showed. We struggled and the, against them. And, and the whole comfortability thing, you got to think about this. There were still two weeks to go before the season was over last season, and the Chiefs already clinched the division. And the Raiders had everything to play for, obviously, because they had the play-in game with the Chargers. The Chargers had everything to play for still. The Steelers, who they beat that week to clinch the division... 
had everything to play for because they obviously were a playoff team and they were still playing for the division at that point. Mm -hmm. The Bengals still hadn't clinched their division yet. And the Chiefs clinched the division with two weeks to go. So to me, just with all the stress and everything added in those first 10 to 12 weeks, to know the Chiefs clinched the division in week 16 tells me that's pretty comfortable considering how it was looking beforehand because the first seven weeks we're sitting here going, is this even a playoff team? For them to win it by multiple games with multiple weeks to go, to me tells me that even though the Chiefs had deficiencies and they were clear and evident, they were obvious, the Chiefs still did what they did. And Herbert threw 5,000 yards last year, had a full slate and a stable of offensive playmakers across the board. And the Chiefs still, in their first matchup, lost by six with four turnovers and three of them were in a row. On like five plays. Yeah, we can't do that again, though. That's and the, I'm, I'm just can't, saying, can't with, like with the context added, yeah. the fact that the Chiefs should have swept the Chargers last year, and the Chargers again had a quarterback that was damn near all pro. That's how that's how good the Chiefs were, despite their own deficiencies. And I have the faith and trust in Brett Veach that he's going to make adequate changes to those problems because Frank Clark was a problem last season. He was not a solution. He hasn't been a solution since the 2019 playoffs. He's been a deterrent. And now they're going to take care of that. He will be getting cut. The Chiefs are going to make some acquisitions, whether it's a Chandler Jones or a Vaughn Miller getting Melvin Ingram back. You will see a defensive pass, a veteran defensive pass rusher on this team this next season. They're going to get one of these top-tier wide receivers. I don't know which one it is yet. I'm hoping it's Amari Cooper because he would elevate this offense to a level they've never been at before. I'm hoping that it could be an Allen Robinson or a Juju Smith-Schuster. DJ Shark would be a nice move. Russell Gage would be a nice move. There are guys out there, and the Chiefs are going to get at least one of them. And that's what I'm looking at is that this offense still finished third overall in overall offense last season with deficiencies at wide receiver two. Didn't have a true run game. There's a lot of things that they could add to this offense that would substantially benefit them moving forward. And here's the other part that we don't talk about enough. This offensive line is going to be even better next season because they all had a form over last offseason. None of them played together before that. None of them. Not Joe Tooney, not Creed Humphrey, not Trey Smith, not Orlando Brown Jr. and whoever they fill at right tackle. And they still were one of the best offensive lines in football. Now they get another offseason together. It, it, this offensive line is going to be absurd. And Patrick Mahomes' trust in these guys from one year to the next is going to be unprecedented. So I don't want to be the guy that just looks at the optimism. Because you're right, Eddie. The things you brought up about the Chiefs struggling against good quarterbacks. That is 100% That's valid. But when you can look at those, those, those statistics and say the Chiefs still won their division by two freaking games, that tells you the greatness is already set in stone to where they can say, okay, we already have the advantages, let's just build upon those. And that's what I look at with Russell Wilson. Everything's going to have to go right for the Broncos to win this division. Everything's going to yeah. have to go right for them to get into a playoffs and go to a deep playoff push. Everything's going to have to go right for the Chargers because they had so many cornerstone pieces last year and couldn't even get in the playoffs. Well, not only would everything have to go right for them, a lot of things have to go wrong for us exactly. simultaneously. Good because point. if everything goes right for us and goes right for them, we're still going to be on top because we're just the better team, yeah. you know, plain and simple. So this, this And coaching be... matters, man. Oh, yeah, coaching yeah, yeah. matters. Look at the AFC West right now. Josh McDaniel is the second most tenured coach mm. in the NF in the AFC West. He's 11 and 17 in his career. Yeah. Nathaniel Hackett, never even been an offensive coordinator that calls plays. And then you talk about Brandon Staley. Do you guys have faith in Brandon Staley, who's going forward on fourth down on his own 20-yard line? Like, that's absurd. Yeah. Shit like that happens. Like, Andy Reid makes his mistakes. But if you look at the AFC West, I mean, the Chiefs have maybe the three best head coaches on their own coaching staff. Think about that. Maybe the all, maybe four. Like, Spags and Nagy would be, would be yeah. automatically the second best head coaches in this division. And then you have Eric Bieniemy, who should be a head coach. Yeah. So you're looking at maybe the four best head coaches in the division are on one team. 
That's absurd to think, man. So there are just so many advantages on this team right now, but I do want to I do want to transition because Eddie and I had we actually had a, a chat. We always talk throughout the week about you know just things that we're thinking or feeling about the you know the current up to date news and everything. And something that you said, Eddie, I brought up the the fact that I know that I think that Brett Veach is going to go off this offseason. I think he's going to have some great moves and great acquisitions. I'm still holding out hope that he's going to trade out of the 30th pick and go get maybe a Josh Allen from the Jacksonville Jaguars. There's a lot of things that I think he's going to do, and I think or this offense, up. I think both this offense and defense are going to be improved to a point where we're feeling really good about ourselves and we look back at Khalil Mack and Russell Wilson acquisitions and go, oh, Chiefs got this, man. Like, yeah. those are good moves. The Chiefs made some great moves. But, Eddie, you did make a, you did make a statement. I don't want to put words in your mouth or, or not say, say it correctly, but you did you state say? that you, you have a feeling, and correct me if I'm wrong, you have a feeling that Brett Veach might disappoint some of us this offseason. I want to know, first of all, what exactly you mean by that? What, to you, would be a disappointing offseason for Brett Veach? A disappointing offseason is not making the moves everybody would like to see or uh, expect the Chiefs to make. Uh, as in, like, uh, getting that veteran quarterback. Missing out on the veteran quarterback. We saw it last year. They missed out on that veteran quarterback. Their only option was pretty much bringing Josh Gordon. Uh, so, kind of getting off of that, like, piggy, piggybacking off of that, it's kind of like, how how good is uh, Brett Beach? Has... Ha- how good has Brett Beach been with free agency? And I look back and I, and, and I think it's like, well, hasn't been great. Uh, I wouldn't say he's been great with free agency. So I feel like this year, I, 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 like I said, it's just a feeling that I have. Obviously, it's, we don't know what's going to happen. This is just me uh, stating my opinion. Uh but I, I just have a feeling where Brett Beach is, is going to try his best, but is going to miss out on a lot of big big names out there that he could potentially get. Uh, and I, I, I believe they're going to rely heavily on the draft. That's uh, something that they might uh, choose to do if, if one or two big names are, uh, are gone from free agency and, and obviously they didn't get them. So I think that's one of the things. And uh, they're going to end up probably – getting uh those old veteran free agents that are like just dirt cheap uh those uh no name kind of guys uh so i don't know it, it's just a feeling obviously i don't know what brett beach is gonna do uh but like i said uh i don't i i haven't seen brett beach have a great great free agency uh it's something i'm yet to see uh, people can argue that uh for for, for last year but overall Brett Beach has not been great uh, in free agency, so we'll see what this year brings. And especially dealing with your own players with extensions and trying to re-sign one of your biggest, biggest captains in this team, entire Matthew. So it's it's going to be tough homework for, for Brett Beach. And like I said, that's what gives me that feeling. of it, It's going to be a... Uh, like I said, disappointment. A letdown. Um, okay, that, that, I, I appreciate that, honestly, man, because I know that... You know, I, I get called somebody that it's it's funny. Uh, start, starting off, yeah, I get called a homer. It's funny because I was actually known as the guy that was the hater for the longest time. So I get I get these weird like extremes sometimes. I can't get, I can't find that middle of the pendulum. Um, but I just I just want to like go down a scenario path with you on this one real quick, and I want to get oh, Trevor, Trevor Trevor your thoughts on what you're thinking. Dis- I want to know Trevor, I want to know Trevor's disappointment uh, or what you would define as a disappointment this off season in second. But I just directly want to ask you, Eddie. Let's say the cheat. Let's say Amari Cooper is cut. 
let's say Allen Robinson, Juju Smith-Schuster are all sitting out there, right? Chiefs don't get any of them, but they go and get like a Russell Gage and they draft a wide receiver in like the second round. Would you say that's a disappointment, yes or no? Yes, because we're expected to have a, 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 a another big guy okay. helping out for for the Chiefs. Uh, would it be a disappointment if they perform? Obviously, I believe a disappointment would be him not being able to sign one of those three guys because that's your top three targets. Okay. Because you need those to help your offense succeed. So missing out on those three big opportunities, mm-hmm. that's a big, big disappointment for, 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 the, for this offense. Okay, okay. That's totally fair. Now let's say the Chiefs don't get obviously like a Vaughn Miller because he stays with the Rams or Chandler Jones goes and gets paid somewhere else. Uh, Melvin Ingram doesn't end up coming back, but the Chiefs go and get Emmanuel Agba as their defensive edge rush, and then they draft a guy with 30th overall at edge as well and pair them together. Would that, to you, be a disappointment? Not really. Is that if we let Frank Clark walk? Yes. Yes. So not really because you still – let's say we let Frank Clark walk and Tyron Matthew uh, walk Mm -hmm. uh, or cut uh, Frank Clark and uh, obviously not sign Tyron Matthew. And then rely on the draft, and then sign uh, like like uh, Agba and draft a, a pass rusher. I would consider it a disappointment overall because you're you're missing out on Tyron Matthew as well. You're not just missing out on on Frank Clark. Or but what if they were to have Tyron Matthew? So if they were, uh, I wouldn't call it a disappointment, but it it would be kind of like a how would I say? It? I guess expectations, expectation-wise. Underwhelming? On, uh, yeah. Okay. It, it's, it's like, damn it, like, I wish we could have, it's like, I can work with these guys, you know, like, mm-hmm. let's, I can work with these guys, but damn. Yeah, we, left, we left missed, more, yeah, left more we missed a great opportunity out there. Okay. Okay. Um, the reason I ask that is because this is actually, this is where I, I think the point is made about, about why I give Brett Veach the, the benefit of the doubt. So if you're, you're, you're stating that you would think it would be a disappointment if Russell Gage was the, was the guy they signed in free agency and then they go and draft a guy and kind of develop him. Russell Gage last season had 66 receptions for 770 yards and four touchdowns, and that was as a wide receiver two and three throughout the season, right? Cordero Patterson and Calvin Ridley before Calvin with Ridley went away. Matt Ryan. Yeah, exactly. With a struggling Matt Ryan with a bad, just a bad team. Yeah. Still put up those decent numbers, which combat McCall Harmon. We all talked about McCall Harmon having a career year last year. And then Emmanuel Ogba, uh, he actually missed. Uh, he didn't start six games last season. He played. He was active for all seventeen, but didn't start every single one of them. And ended up having nine sacks last year. So th- the point I'm making is not to like dismantle what you're saying. What I'm saying is, is that that's actually the point I'm giving about why I'm so high on what Brett Veach can do. Because even if those, and I'm not expecting those to be the answer, I think that they're going to do better in both of those areas. I don't think Emmanuel Ogba is going to be the answer. I think the Chiefs are going to go and get a, a, a better pass rusher. I think Chandler, Chandler Jones is very realistic for the Chiefs. I actually think Allen Robinson, Juju Smith-Schuster are more realistic than, than settling for a Russell Gage. But in your scenario... If those were to be the moves, and you're talking about Russell Gage having to bear the burden of being behind Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, then I think the Chiefs did okay considering. Where that that's your disappointing scenario. Yeah. That's most teams' dream to have those three paired together. And then you talk about Emmanuel Ogba coming back to the Chiefs, who already is familiar with the Chiefs, getting paired up with Chris Jones and a, and a young, motivated rookie on the front seven. What I'm saying is that that's the worst case scenario. Let's say that's the worst case scenario. That team is still a 13-14 win team. 
And that's, again, I'm not trying to poo-poo what you're saying. I'm saying that I believe that the standard is higher than that. The expectation is going to be higher than that. And I think the reality is going to be higher than that. That's all I'm trying to say is that the lowest bar set is still a high bar nevertheless. So, Trevor, I want to ask your like, what to you would be a disappointing season as well? Is anything similar to what Eddie's saying? Because I actually agree with what Eddie's saying. That, to me, that'd be like, ah, it wasn't that great. But yeah. I would still look at it and go, but goddamn, those were actually pretty solid moves. You would think about it. You know yeah, what I mean? That, like, that scenario would definitely have left more to be desired. Yeah. yeah but I feel like, I, I'm going to say it now, I think last season, Brett Veach actually killed, last offseason, Brett Veach actually killed it. I mean, he created one of the best, if not the best, went and drafted the best center in football. Yeah. Uh, not just best rookie, the best center in football, and completely revamped with Joe Tooney and all these guys, and just absolutely put together one of the best offensive lines in football immediately on one, after one, one offseason after having one of the worst. That's extremely impressive, um, and I expect the only, only way that this offseason now currently as is and what's happened and what hasn't happened yet so far is if we completely fall flat on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, we've got to make a lot of changes defensively. Frank Clark's got to be moved somehow, some way, via trade or just cut straight up. Um, other names, other dynamic players got to be added to this defensive roster. We need that more than anything. If this offense barely changes, I'm fine. We're still a top five offense, top four, top three offense at times in this league. Um, this is still a very feared offense with you know with the weapons we have in place right now. Uh, even if we go get a Russell Gage or a DJ Shark, um, that would be a, an upgrade. Any kind of upgrade to this offense? Granted, I would. I want to get one of the bigger names. I want us. That was my number one priority. I think in all of us. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. So we want. We wanted that big, sexy name. Amari Cooper. If he came to this offense, that's the only move I would need to know that Brett Beach made to make this an off this offseason a success because that is huge. Adding that would completely put all this panic to rest. If we got Amari Cooper in this offense alongside Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. I mean, that's all you. That's all I would need to just call this a success. Let alone what we do in the draft. Um. But I think, yeah, I, I do think it would be upsetting to see the lack of defensive moves. That's what I really care about. I, I want the big splash wide receiver just for the sexiness and just for that much more. And if we find a way to bring Kareem Hunt back into this offense too, my goodness, this fan base would go nuts. Uh, this well, fan we're going to talk about nuts. that in a second. There's, there's gonna, obviously, there's, there's parts of the fan base that would be yeah. upset about it. They can, they can go, you know, kick rocks. I don't really care about them. But uh, the, the ones that love and always stood by Kareem Hunt and the talents that he was and what we, you know – Putting aside his young uh, adolescent mistakes, I would welcome him back with open arms, and I would love to see that move happen. And I think that very well could be likely. Um, but it's hard for this to for, for the only way this could be a letdown, like I said, is just completely whiff on the defensive side. Not go get an, not not go and get another uh, a veteran edge rusher. Uh, Chandler Jones is the guy I want personally, and then maybe trying to go after a Bobby Wagner, another experienced linebacker, Devon, uh, or uh, Dante Hightower, who I've mentioned in our past show. Uh, we need to get another linebacker or a Justin Houston if that's a possibility. You know, something like someone like that that would come in here uh, and have that experience. But I trust Brett Veach. I'm alongside you, Lance. I I, I trust in, you know in, in the Veach season. Um, so I, I think that I think there's, he's gonna I think he's gonna find a way to you know if we can't keep Tyron find a, a proper replacement. There are a lot of guys out there floating around right now that are talented guys. Um, so I think he finds a way to keep Tyron here. Um, but we do need to address uh, we need to address the pass rush. We need to address the defensive line um, and the middle line and another middle linebacker, a linebacker of some sort. Uh, and who, who knows what we do with the the cornerbacks, but. I, like I said, man, I trust I trust Brett Veach to make the proper moves for the for the the glaring needs um, on this roster. The only way I think that this is an ultimate disappointment when it comes to this offseason and Brett Veach and the standards that I have on him, and I think the standards he puts on himself, is that the Chiefs don't utilize the cap 
the way that I know they can. Well, we all what, know Brett Veach is going to hes going to go after the guys he wants. Right. It does not and matter. What, it doesn't matter how much wants. money they're wanting to, the name. It doesn't matter. He's going to want to try to go make some kind of offer to get them. You guys got to understand this particular offseason benefits teams like the Chiefs more than any other team. Here's why. Okay, so according to SpotRack and other cap geniuses, which I can't even begin to try to be like them, but according to what they say, so in 2023, the cap's going to go up 20% from 2022, right? Mm -hmm. And then in 2024, it's supposed to go up another 20%. So in the next two off-seasons after this one, you're talking about a 40% growth in cap space, right? Okay, so obviously market demand is going to go up with that. So it's going to kind of balance itself out in a way. But for guys in particular like this offseason, it it, it it sits perfectly. Because Allen Robinson and Amari Cooper and Juju Smith-Schuster and, and, and DJ Shark and Russell Gage, these, these guys could have been free agents next offseason and just got themselves exponential amounts of money. But it's this particular offseason, which means what? Great teams like the Chiefs can get these guys on a one-year deal and then let them go and maximize their money elsewhere next offseason. See, the whole run-it-back thing is dead. We know that that era is done. So what the Chiefs can do now is rent guys. Go and get a guy for a year. Go and get an Amari Cooper for a year and then let him go get his five-year, $120 million contract with somebody else that's willing to overpay him. Probably a bad team, mm. right? That's the kind of stuff that the Chiefs now get to exist in. Is that this offseason, they get to exist in the reality of, let's short-term this. Let's just add a piece here and there, yeah. get ourselves another Super Bowl, and then deal with our guys that are paying currently long-term. Sign Amari to let's, a one-year deal. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why I think that this offseason will not be a disappointment. Because yeah. there's so much incentive for the Chiefs to do that, and there's even more incentive for the players to do the same thing because then they can go and maximize their money over the next two off seasons and getting a Super Bowl tax attached to it or at worst getting to the AFC championship attached to that is only going to substantiate their own money yeah. their own contracts their own guaranteed dollars their own years of guaranteed money and I think that's why the Chiefs sit so pretty so I don't see a disappointing uh, off season at all yeah. I think the only way they do it is if you see a Demarcus Robinson return, if you see Byron Pringle being the premier asset they bring back for wide receiver, Sorry, those are failures. Yeah. I hate to say, I'm not saying these guys are bad guys, but that would be a failure for that to be. Well, we missed out on this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, but we did bring a guy that knows the offense has been here for the last four. Right back, no, Sammy Watkins. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't want that shit. Because <laughs> yeah. like I said, the running back era is dead. You got to add new blood, better blood, more talented blood, more athletic blood to this offense. On the defensive side, we've talked about this, about how that has to be priority number one, pass rush, things of that nature. But I want to throw out some names here because I know you just mentioned a couple of them, Trevor, about key acquisitions that we may not see coming because I know that priority number one is pass rush, as we all talked about. I'd yeah. love to see Chandler Jones. I'd love to see Yvonne Miller, Melvin Ingram coming back. Yes, I'd love to see these guys added to the equation. I'd love to see the Chiefs trade for Josh Allen. But guys, what about Bobby Wagner? I know he doesn't add to the pass rush, but think about how great this guy is and what the, what he's what he's been doing. So I, I I threw this out here on Twitter about why I think the Chiefs should really look at Bobby Wagner as an acquisition yes. for this defense. Fuck yes. People automatically said, "Well, what about Nick Bolton? You want to have him as you know his progression?" Okay, I'm gonna break this down. Okay, guys. So Nick Bolton and Anthony Hitchens played essentially almost the exact same amount last season, right? Okay. So in twenty uh, in uh, when it came to I have the list right here. <clears throat> Okay, so Nick Bolton and Anthony Hitchens only had, was it 
Eight more snaps for Anthony Hitchens this last season than uh, than Nick Bolton. Yet Nick Bolton led all rookies in tackles. He's the truth, man. So Anthony Hitchens, who's a much lesser player than Bobby Wagner, didn't impede on Nick Bolton's rookie season. Why would Bobby Wagner impede on Nick Bolton's sophomore season? It wouldn't happen. And I just want to throw these numbers out here real quick. In 2018, Bobby Wagner allowed six... Or since 2018, Bobby Wagner has allowed only six passing touchdowns because I know that we talk about Anthony Hitchens being horrible in, in coverage mm-hmm. and middle of the field's always wide open. Well, that's actually one of Bobby Wagner's strengths. Okay, He only allowed six touchdowns over the last four seasons on 307 targets and allowed a career low in yards per completion last season, 8.4. Average uh, target of depth, 3.9. And he actually had one of his highest quarterback hurries last season, totals amount. Uh, Wagner is also coming off a career high in single-season tackles with 170, along with five passes defended, one, ta- one sack, one interception, and three tackles for loss. That's a middle linebacker, inside linebacker. Mm-hmm. The biggest pushback, again, is when it comes to uh, his age and his contracts. People are like, oh, the people, somebody's going to have to pay all this money for him, and he's he's not a young player anymore. He will be 32 in June. Yet he's only missed three games since the 2015 season. So though he's not a young player, he is by no means a veteran that has a history of injuries. So the Chiefs are not going to gonna, they're not gonna have to worry about, oh, he's only going to play like eight or nine games. They're going to pay him 13 to $15 million. That's the other part of it. Wagner has made nearly $85 million during his 10-year NFL career. So although money could very well be a motivating factor, he's made plenty while adding another ring to his collection could also be the ultimate motivating factor to continue his career or maybe even finish his career. If I'm the Chiefs, guys, I'm a, I am approaching Bobby Wagner to gauge at least gauge his interest and see where he's at and what it would take to get him to Kansas City if a short-term deal possibly maximizes the cap ascension, like I said, from 2023 and 2024, and that's his goal to maybe get one more big contract afterwards, mm-hmm. then I think the Chiefs' chances of getting him actually peaks the immediate interest because yeah. Bobby Wagner only has made an average of eight point, he's made an average of $8.4 million per year. That's a lot for an inside linebacker. Mm-hmm. If I'm the Chiefs, this is what I'd offer him. Bobby... We're going to give you a, a base salary of one year, $9 million, added incentives that can get it to $13 million, which is what he made last season. So you're giving him basically next season because he's going to hit all of his incentives. If you say you get 100 tackles, if you play X amount of snaps, if you play X amount of games, if you get us to the playoffs, you make another Pro Bowl. Oh, and by the way, guys, Bobby Wagner has been a first-team All-Pro six of the last eight seasons. Yeah. So although Nick Bolton is the man, we all can clarify here, he is the guy, right? You're, the leaving, out, you're leaving out my favorite narrative, though. Go okay. ahead. If we do sign him, who knows Russell Wilson better than anybody? Boom. Who plays against him in practice every single day? Great. I didn't even. I didn't even. That would be the put that best chess chess piece to add to that mix. Knowing Russell Wilson more than anybody, bro, is the middle linebacker that faces him eye to eye with him every practice. I'm just saying that would be the best chess move the Chiefs can make if we go get the guy that knows Russell Wilson, his antics. Add that his, veteran presence in the middle of the field. His tendencies more than anybody. His weak points more than anybody would be. And again, you, you're not spending a ton of money on him because yeah. the market value right now is right around 8 to $10 million for Bobby Wagner. And again, if he wants to, you know, one more year, okay, I just want one year with a great team, and then I'm going to go get a three-year deal worth $40 yeah. million. All of a sudden, he's got himself another payday. And not only that, he's signing to a team that would immediately be contending for another that's title. exactly I mean, the point, that's yes. That's a great spot for him. Adding to a Hall of Fame career. Six of his last eight seasons as a first-team All-Pro. And that's pro. not play around either because the Chargers have a lot more money to spend too, and they would very well. Oh. That would be a huge signing for them. Bobby that, Wagner, and he just we, makes they, so much sense for that defense. Yeah, they need that. They need right. that middle linebacker. So that we need to 
make some moves. But granted, I like what the Chiefs are doing. I like that the Chiefs are being patient because we don't look desperate. A lot of the teams that are going out there and big, making these big signings are desperate teams that need those massive changes. Yeah. So the, the, the t- you notice all the teams that are con- confident in who they have right now are kind of the teams being more patient right now with what, the, what they're moving, what, the, what they're letting go, what they're adding to their roster right now. So be patient. It's, we're going to be all right, man. I want to I add a couple more names here, and then we're going to get to the Eddie Hour. Another name that has been in-house the last three years that I think actually is a realistic comeback player is Tyron Matthew. So, Arrowhead Pride, one of the most well-connected to the Chiefs source out there. Tom Childs actually had an article that came out this morning that talked about why it's very likely that the Chiefs and Tyron Matthew Matthew figure this out. Ignore all the tweets. I don't don't care about Tyron Matthew tweeting like a 14-year-old. I don't care about that stuff. I'm talking about the, the brass tacks here. So, according to what they've been hearing at uh, the Combine, because everybody gossips and talks and things of that nature, talking about markets for certain players, certain positions. So, according to uh, uh, the the Combine that we've seen, Eddie, we had some breaking news? Uh, Not... Not breaking is uh, possibly big news. Possibly big news. The Dodgers have offered Freddie Freeman a multi-year contract, so... Oh! Yeah, we might have to talk some MLB in a second. I want to get to that, because i got some takes on that. But when it comes to Tyron Matthew... um, so the market right now for safeties and, and, and for, for veterans is not heavy. I, everybody assumed yeah. that guys like Tyron Matthew were going to get like $16, $17 million. I did myself. But now it's looking like it, it, it's almost, it would almost be a miracle if he gets double digits per year yeah. for, for his, his, his annual salary. So I think the lukewarm, like according to Tom Charles at Arrowhead Pride, it looks like the, it's going to be a very lukewarm market for safety, veteran free agent safeties, which means that these teams aren't going to be offering a ton of money. The Saints are cap struck. I know that's a team that people have autom- yeah. automatically said he's going to go. That's the only team that's really been. But that's a problem. They don't really have the money to do it. Mm-hmm. Second of all, the teams that have the money already have their safeties locked up. Chargers, they have Derwin James. The uh, the Bengals have Jesse Bates. Seattle, Seattle, exactly. Yeah. Jamal Adams. The Saints did just restructure Kamara's contract. Sure, so they, they created. I mean, some they have space. their own. Was it their own safety to worry? But they're about. not. They, they don't even have a quarterback. They're and not exactly, a the Saints team. have offensive problems right, they have right, to worry right. about. So. My point, and what I'm trying to make it, my point is this, is that I think that Tyron Matthews is going to price himself out of his own market, mm-hmm. and then he's going to come back and go, okay, how do we figure this out? And I think the Chiefs give him a two, three million, a two, three-year deal worth like $30 million, 30 to $35 million, and he gets what he wants. The Chiefs gets what he wants because, let's be honest, guys, no matter what you think or feel he about the man, he wants to be here. I think the Chiefs really want to keep him for the right price, yeah. and I think that's why they've been confident in letting him go out there and test the market. And then you're getting everything in return that you wanted because this defense is better with that, with with him than without him. This team's chances are better with or without him. And, the, and he ain't going to go to the Jaguars and Jets who do have the cap money that can overspend for him, mm-hmm. but they're rebuilds. You think a 30-year-old safety is going to want to go to a team that's two, three years away at best? No, that's not happening. Unless money is everything to him. That's all he wants is just getting 16, 17 million a year. He's a family-based guy. I don't, yes. think I don't think his woman, and I don't think that would be a good move for his Roots are planted here. City for money. Yeah. Roots are planted here in Kansas City. I Guys, I, I, I really do think he's going to be back here in Kansas. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I'm but I, I do that. think that he's going to get back here. He's going to get himself $30, 35000000 million over the next two to three years, yeah. and then it's just going to move on from the uh, speculation. I, I think it will be more like a – I think if I'm the Chiefs, I'll kind of offer a two-year with a third-year option. Yeah. yeah kind of like, kind of like Even that. if he gets a three-year deal, it'll, he'll probably only fulfill two of those. Yeah. That's kind of so, how it's going to go. Uh, yeah. I, I do expect uh, the Chiefs to go out there and, and, and offer him uh, what they believe is right. Uh Obviously, he might. Hopefully, he doesn't see it like a disrespect or, or anything. It's uh, reality, buddy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> you know, his, his uh, personality is pretty pretty strong. Uh, so yeah, 
as long as the Chiefs don't do anything to like disrespect them or anything like that, you know, kind of just be like, we'll give you six million a year or some shit like that. Yeah, no, that's the Chiefs, the Chiefs have no the, reason to walk on eggshells. Yeah, that. so so that's a, so Brad Veach has to go in there and, and uh, with the uh, mm-hmm. uh, what is it with, with the uh, intention oh, with the intention of of bringing him back, not not going in there. It's like, well, I mean, if you come back, we'll give you this, but if you don't, oh well. No, it's something Brad Veach's like, okay, we need you, we want you. How do we work this shit out? Oh, Brevich has made that clear from all of his pressers, man. You watch that. He's prior, he's prioritized bringing yeah, Tyron so back. It's really be, the ball's yeah, in Tyron's court, man. Yeah, so that should be priority number one for the Chiefs. Uh, but I do expect Tyron Matthew uh, to test. Uh, obviously, he's testing the market. Uh, so I, I agree with you. I think he's going to set himself a, a price like a little too high for a lot of a lot of contenders to even consider it. So I think it, it's going to. It's gonna give the cheese a perfect opportunity to go in there. It's like, okay, man, come, like, come back to us. We'll, we'll give you this much, and we're gonna contend for this championship next year. So, I, I think Tyron Matthews more about a legacy type of type mm-hmm. of guy than than yeah. money, because he's made it seem that way. Because uh, obviously, from Arizona to the Texans, I don't know what the fuck happened there, but uh, from the Texans to the Chiefs coming and becoming a contender, becoming that guy, I feel like. He, he likes that and appreciates that more. Like, he feeds off of that being that guy, well, and, and, like, legacy-wise. And think about, man, talk about legacy, and the Chiefs saved his career. Yeah. We brought him out of the Texans, bro, and he came over here and won his Super Bowl. Like, we made his career that much more of a legacy and, and, and added to the lore of Tyron Matthew, who was already a, a polarizing guy in the league, we, and we gave him a ring, yeah, man. The, like, the Chiefs put him that much closer to the right, Hall of Fame. He contributed thing. to that. And like, on the flip side, yeah, because yeah, on the flip side, he Tyron brought a culture here exactly. on the defensive side we have not had in right. a couple of decades. For sure. For so sure. I, I couldn't thank him enough for what Absolutely, he brought to this man. team, and I, I really do hope that it continues because I know, again, pass rush is the key, so we obviously got to focus on that more, more than number one. So I know the two last two names that has dropped have nothing to do with the pass rush, really. Right. But these are guys, like you said, Trevor, Bobby Wagner, who can give us all the cliff notes. On, yes. on, on Russell Wilson who's been his teammate his entire career yep. and then you have Tyron Matthew who knows this defense is the leader of this defense because it's only going to put more pressure on Steve Spagnuolo if you lose Tyron Matthew because then you have to fill that role not just from an athletic standpoint from a leadership standpoint like you, you don't just replace that guy yeah. and unlike Russell Wilson who you didn't hear shit from anybody about his his offensive players, no one's talking about man. I'm gonna miss Russ. Oh my god, this sucks. You don't hear that, which is ironic. You know, it's kind of funny how that works. But you're hearing. People reporting saying that the Chiefs are really hopeful that he's back, that Tyron Matthews back, because yeah. these players want him back. Of course, you know I, I don't back, give man. a shit God, about what he says on Twitter. Captain. It's annoying. I get it, but what it, what happens on that field is what matters. Yeah. And he is still one of the he best safeties in this game. Voted, he was just voted versatile. the MVP of the team. Yes, one of the most versatile <laughs> you know I mean? defenders in this yeah. league. You got to bring him back, and I hope that the Chiefs do it. And it'd be awesome to see him get a team friendly deal and him still make enough money to where it makes sense for him and his t- family to stay here yeah. in Kansas City. The last piece I want to add to this equation, and it's. It's been something that I've wanted to see now since it since the the separation ensued, but there's actual real traction to this this time around. And I'm really hoping that something comes of it. So, we had heard news from the Browns that their their backup running back Dearness Johnson was going to get the tender. What that basically means is that Dearness Johnson, being a restricted free agent, he can shop his services to any other team, but Cleveland has a right to match that offer, and if they don't, they would receive compensation if he ends up going elsewhere. 
More than likely, Dearness Johnson will be back with the Browns because of that fact. Because no one's gonna Matt, no one's gonna be offering a ton for Dearness Johnson, who's a backup running back, a good running back, but he's a backup running back. And in this league, that just doesn't happen very often, where teams are outbidding each other for a guy. Uh, Nick Chubb is clearly the guy there, which leaves one name out, and that's Cream Hunt. Cream Hunt is set to make a little over $6 million this year and has no dead cap money, which means the Browns can just get out of it. They can just outright cut him and lose no money because of it, or very little money. I think it's time that the Chiefs bring him home. I I, I really do believe this. Cream Hunt is currently, as we're talking now, he's been out in Hawaii with Patrick Mahomes because Patrick Mahomes just got married. Uh, yeah. he, he, huh? Getting married. getting married, yeah, he's getting married. There's this still a yeah. chance, he, you know, <laughs> but he's, he's he's been out there. He's, he's been out there with his old teammates, according to what I've been being told. Uh, him and plunge. Kareem Hunt and uh, Andy Reid have actually been talking a lot uh, at, at the at the wedding situation they got going out there. Yeah, um, it makes so much sense. The prodigal son for the Chiefs to do this for a lot of reasons. One, Kareem Hunt's not going to cost them really anything. Uh, he's going to have low low uh, demand, high incentive, and he's only 27 years old. If you guys remember, man, what 2018 looked like with Kareem Hunt in this offense, I mean, guys, through 10 weeks, the man had 14 touchdowns. <laughs> Think about that. He already had over 1,000 all-purpose yards and 14 touchdowns through 10 weeks. I don't expect to Kareem Hunt to even be that guy. <laughs> I don't expect yeah. that guy to be back because that yeah. was that was just twenty three year old Kareem Hunt. Clyde, bro. But you add him to this offense. Shit. Yeah. I know people. Listen, I'm, I'm going to clarify something real quick, and it's outside of the football realm. I know, and I understand, and I and I I do I really do understand why some people don't like the idea of him bringing him back because of the fact of what took place at that hotel back in Ohio before the Chiefs ultimately cut him. I get it. But again, I will reemphasize this fact. The Chiefs didn't cut him for what happened in the video. They cut him because he lied about what happened in the video. Let's let's make that the point number one. Second of all, unless Kareem Hunt or any other player, just like Deshaun Watson, who we'll talk about, I'm sure, in the Eddie Hour, because of the fact that these men are free men and are free to work, if they're allowed to be in the league, if they are there and they're not in prison, they should be allowed to go wherever they want. And if a team thinks they're good enough to add them, that is their right. I don't think that it's wrong of a team to add a player if he even has a past because we've seen players throughout history in all leagues and all aspects of life have pasts and work through them and get better as human beings, as athletes, and, as a whole. And which coach has been a guy significantly known for doing that, that giving guys Reed. second chances. And again, Eddie, we talked about this before the show, who were the people that did not close the door of a potential Kareem Hunt return in the future when they cut him? It was Brett Veach, and it was Andy Reid. I'm not saying this move's going to happen. What I'm saying is that I hope it does, because the Kareem redemption story yep. would be so, so, so awesome, and he would make this offense that much better because he fit it seamlessly, and he's still young enough to give this team something they have been missing out of the backfield since he left, which is a legitimate threat in both the pass and run game in one singular player. I hope it happens. I'm really, I'm really rooting for Kareem Hunt, regardless if he comes back to Kansas City or not, because I just, I want to see his story to continue to ascend and him as a person to continue to ascend. And I hope it comes back here. I know his family's in support of him coming back to Kansas City. I know he never wanted to leave Kansas City. I know the Chiefs never wanted to part ways with him. It was an ugly situation. That's the past. It was four years ago. I hope they can 
bring this all back you know, together. BNME That's the one run that. it back. That's the one yeah. run it back I want to see take place. Yeah, I know. Say, the enemy would be happy to have that stud back, man. I know that's that's for sure. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it happens, man. Those are those are just a couple because you know this is this is the off season, man. Our 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 wants, our desires, our needs of of what we want to see this Chiefs teams do is going to change week to week. I know we already put out our our top five list. Man, my list is all over the place right now because I could not I could not want Bobby Wagner and Kareem Hunt more than I do right now. Now, unlike Bobby Wagner, Kareem Hunt is still technically on contract. Mm. But it does look like the Browns are probably going to make that decision to save some money and get out of that and focus on Nick Chubb and Dearness Johnson being their stable. We'll see what happens. But in the meantime, we're going to leave those conversations right there. We'd love to hear from you guys. If there's any comments on the thread, we'd love to hear from you guys. Let us know what you guys think. We'd love to hit, hit us up on YouTube. Let us know what you guys think about whatever we're talking about today. If you have your own thoughts, I know we don't do the Monday mailbag anymore, but that's why we have the live stream so you guys can chat with us and we can react to whatever it is you're saying. But in the meantime, Mr. Eddie Ortiz, Mr. Yo, 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 what is in the Eddie Hour this week? Ooh. What do you want to start? You want to start MLB? Let's do it. Let's get right to it. All right. So the Dodgers are reportedly have offered uh, Freddie Freeman a multi-year contract. What could he bring to the Dodgers if they do sign him? Uh, former MVP, a uh, World Series MVP, and a future Hall of Fame player that's still very good. I think uh, Freddie Freeman, if I'm not mistaken, is only 30... 32? I think it's 32. Let me let me look that up. I'm Yeah, so, okay. He'll be 33 this season. And if we know anything about baseball players, you stay healthy, you play well throughout your prime years, you usually have a long career left. Uh, I can see Freddie Freeman being one of those guys that has another four or five years of really good baseball left in him. Because he's primarily stayed healthy. He's had some injury concerns, this and that. But this man's made a ton of money. He's now won a World Series. I think the World Series is what's motivating him, which is why I think it would make all the sense in the world for him to go to the Dodgers. Because the Dodgers are still one of the most formidable, respected, and most talented teams in all of baseball. I think it would be perfect for him to ride off into the sunset on the West Coast. He's earned that, man. He's carried some bad Braves teams over the last few years, and then they finally got good. And then they what they do? They win the damn World Series without their best player, Ronald Acuna Jr. I mean, my God, man. So, But on the flip side, if Freddie Freeman was decided to stay with Atlanta... It would make all the sense in the world, too, because they just won the World Series, and they have one of the best offenses, one of the best teams in baseball, good pitching staff. Ronald Acuna will be back next season. I expect him to tear the cover off the ball. He's a damn good fielder as well. I think he's got some options here, man, but I, I'm, I'm kind of like, okay, he did he, he, set, he did what he set out to do with Atlanta. He won him, won him a World Series. Congratulations. That's awesome. Now go to L.A. and go try to get yourself another one. I'm rooting for him to do that. I just kind of want to see that happen because stars on the West Coast, stars on the East Coast, it's always a good thing to see. I, I'm hoping that he, he makes that decision and gets himself another lucrative deal and gets himself possibly another ring. I mean, it is a surprise that L.A.'s out here trying to poach great players. Um, <laughs> that's definitely a, caught me off guard. Um, no, I mean, bro, I mean, if he goes to L.A., that's just another. I mean, L.A.'s going to try to go get another chip. Obviously, that would be – the icing on the cake for that roster that's already extremely talented, man. Um, but like, like you said, if he stays too with Atlanta, I mean, that's that's another that's a great team that could very well run it back and have a good shot at doing it again. You know, yeah. I mean, they're still a very talented team as well. Um, I mean, the, the game of baseball has got to get started before moves can be made. But I mean, yeah, that's uh, it, well, it's officially back April seventh. Yes, 
We'll see how things go from there to there. But they did agree on a lot of things, which is great because the D, the universal DH is going to be implemented. That's cool. Which I'm excited as hell about. Yeah. Because then maybe Poppy can come and join the Florida Mar- <laughs> the, the Marlins. Like, hey, I'm out here in Florida. What's up, man? I can play the D- play DH for an NL team now. You know, 43 yeah. years old. Fuck it. Let's do it. But yeah, not much more to add to that. I mean, if that happens, that would obviously be a juggernaut move for the Dodgers. And they would immediately be the favorites to win it all. I mean, that's still an extremely talented roster in every position. So, yeah, I mean. That would be a blockbuster move for sure. All right. Well, obviously, MLB is back April. April was it? April 7th? April 7th, yep. Um, with a full schedule, I, I believe they said a whole 162 games are still. That is the plan. Yep. So, I want to get your thoughts on that, but here are the biggest rule changes uh, with this new agreement, and I'll read them out to you so you can kind of get an idea of what's what's to come this season. So, it's a 12-team expanded postseason. Universal DH, nine inning double headers, no runners on second base to start extra innings. Thank God. Draft lottery for top six picks. A 45 day window for new rule changes starting in 2023. Pitch clock bent on shifts. Larger bases can't happen until 2023 season. Players can't be optioned to minor leagues more than five times in a season. And then the last one, measures aimed at limiting service time manipulation. Manipulation, yeah. Uh, The the only one of those I really just absolutely hate is banning the shift. I get it that people people don't like the shift. I understand that. You know what else people don't like? Cover two defenses in the NFL. But you know what they do? They work. Be better. Yeah, and and teams have to adjust. (laughs) Hello, Chiefs. They had to do it. Right? I hate the fact that they're banning the shift. That is such bullshit, man. Team zag, man. That's such it's, bullshit. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I, it, look, man, it doesn't look <laughs> great. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't look great being like, – you have your fucking third baseman at second base. I know that sucks and it's ugly and it looks bad. It makes sense when you have dead pull hitters on the left side. Y'all remember Jason Giambi? Y'all remember David Ortiz? Those dudes just pulled every single time. So when they're not getting elevation on the ball and it's going to be a sharp grounder, you want to have as many defenders on that right side of the field as possible. It feels like when the NBA used to ban the zone defense. Remember? In the yeah. Zone yeah, it was so stupid. Like, what? Why would you ban something that yeah. gives it advantage? For, oh, because it helps defense? the defense for once. Illegal defense. God really? forbid. <laughs> yeah, God forbid the defense can have maybe an they're advantage cheating. at they're one time. They're playing good defense. Like I mean, my God, man. Yes. I, I, I understand. Oh, the, the other one's I'm in, I'm in pretty much support. I love the Shorting universal the DH. I love the pitch clocks. I love that stuff because, again, you're talking about a different generation of fans, and you're trying yeah. to entice more people, man, because your base is getting older. The the base, the average age of people that watch baseball in their late yeah. 30s, mm-hmm. that is unlike anything else. In the NFL, the average age is 19, 20, 22 years old. That's what you want is to have the next generation of people watching your sport. Yeah. And second of all, they got to learn more than anything how to fucking market their superstars. That's, that's the biggest thing. If Mike Trout walked around yeah. with the legends in Kansas no City, one would know who no one would know who the fuck he is. Yep. But if you go and get LeBron James, I get a six foot eight, and so you're probably gonna be like, oh, that damn, that's, oh, that's LeBron James, holy shit! I get it. My point though is, you just saw his face, you know who he was. Yeah, if you Steph saw Patrick Curry. Mahomes, you know who he was. Steph Curry, yeah. You see Mike Trout, the best player in baseball. Who the fuck's this white guy standing next to me? Hey, man, I was in line first. You know, that's what you would do. <laughs> you want me to ask for the autograph? You tell him to take a spot. Yeah. That's the point, man. Baseball's got to get better at this. I saw a picture of when the uh, the Players Association and the, and the MLB were meeting last week. They had a picture of like the 11, 12 players that were there to represent with Tony Clark, the head of the MLBPA, the Players Association president, mm-hmm. and myself. 
I couldn't name half the guys. Yeah. And I was ashamed. I'm a baseball fan. Yeah. And I was looking at it going, who the and fuck is that And that's not fair dude? to the players, man. Who the shit is that guy? Yeah. Are you are you white? I can't even tell who this guy is. You know what I mean? Like, it looks like David Arquette. Like, who is this? Like, I couldn't tell who these people were, dude. That's not fair to the players. These guys I saw Max Scherzer in the background looking pissed of, off yeah. as usual, but I just, I, it was upsetting me as a baseball fan that I couldn't yeah. name some of these guys. Yeah. That's ridiculous. A sport that shows their face that you see 162 times a season. You, 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 uh, yeah, that, that's their biggest hang-up, but I am glad baseball's coming back. I know Jeff Paston's glad that baseball's back, because holy shit, he got hacked on the day that the announcement came out, by the way, on Twitter. Uh, so Jeff Paston held an, held, held an L this week. Well, We got baseball back, which is important, and there's progression being made, which is the key asset to all this. Yeah, I mean, I don't have much more to add to that. Uh, shortening the game with the, the nine-ending doubleheaders is cool, too. I like that. Some of these games are going on for far too long. There's like four or five hour games at times, man. That's just uh, outside the outside does of that mean? outside of being I'm there. I'm a baseball guy. What, what's a double nine inning doubleheader? What does that mean? So doubleheader is when you play two games in one day. Oh, gotcha. so it shortens the the so say both those games go into extra innings. You can't do that. It's nine. It stops at nine innings. Yep. I like that. That's yeah. a cool rule. I like that they added that because so, that's so, not only good for the players' health. It's just good for the game, man. So they're so they're gonna start adding ties. Is that... probably there's probably gonna be some more ties. But well, I mean, well, honestly, we don't have ties in baseball. But well, the back to back doubleheader yeah. thing is what's gonna keep that from happening to where they right. don't have ties. You don't have these games that go into the nineteenth fucking inning. You know what I mean? They're gonna have cutoffs. I think that that's, I think do the rule thing again. Show me the rule. That's thing what I said. The, the double nine headers. inning doubleheaders. Yeah, it says nine inning doubleheaders. Yeah. So, so, so doubleheaders will have nine innings. They're not going to do like these extended games. I think. Yeah. So, but what if they go into the ninth going one and one? What the fuck's going to happen? Mm, that's gonna a good question. Yeah, I don't know. So they're going to start tying now. They might have added. Ties. I really hope they don't add ties to baseball. That's just going to be like that's going to be like so MLS. many games too. That's going to be. <laughs> Tough to like start mixing in ties. I have to Google that. Yeah, I don't know. That that once we get to the next question, I'll Google it. Shortening the the game of baseball and making it more of an efficient, tight game would be only be better for the sport because attention spans has continued to drop. Yeah. So. So. Yeah, I mean, extra innings is the DH thing is cool for sure. They should, you know, to, to, to finish the game, they should have, like, a home run derby at the end. Just <laughs> Sudden death, like. Yeah, like a 10-second, uh, uh, whoever gets the it's like home PKs. run. It's like PKs. Yeah, yeah, it's like PKs. Yeah, that, that's I, something like one that. Of the, one of the rules for the pitch clock, what I really liked was, I think it was, you get 17 seconds if there's nobody on base. And if there is somebody on base, I think you get 19 seconds, which is perfect because if they don't put those pitch clocks on there, yeah. dudes are just going to stare the guy on first base down and yeah. they just keep chucking it over there, chucking it over there, chucking it over there, and the game just gets delayed. It's like one of those gifts that keeps replaying. Yes. It goes on baseball forever. is already <laughs> Baseball is already a, a slow sport as it is. Yeah. Some Even back when I was like playing baseball, I used to think that, I'm like, God damn, can we just move on with yeah. this shit? Like Sometimes there's just too much strategy. That's why games like Risk are only played by people that are absolute brainiacs because people just get sick of it after a while. That's what baseball has become. And yeah. I'm glad that baseball is moving in the right direction. And the marketability, like you said, the marketability is the biggest downfall of the sport. They, they refuse to market their players. And there are so many great personalities in baseball, dude. Some of the best in sports. Like the fact that Fernando Tatis is not like one of the biggest premier stars in American so sports many good is a crime against humanity. Because yeah. yeah. that dude is fucking awesome. Bryce Harper's so, trying everything about to be him's a cool. guy. But, <laughs> okay, so... According to this article, it said, traditionally, doubleheaders would be two nine-inning games, but in 2021, they were seven. Okay. So they're bringing back the nine-inning games. Okay. Oh, okay. I got you. So they're still going to Oh, so they were only seven before, so they are even shorter. Well, just last year. Yeah, I just got a text from Shaggy Shane. He just said the same thing. But he, okay. He just confirmed that. Shows too. how much I know about baseball. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. 
That's what I was trying to figure out what you were exactly <laughs> saying. Not, like, yeah. well, yeah, so that's guessing, how it should be. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm was, guessing they're going okay. back to nine. Okay, good. Uh, nine inning games, and then obviously extra bases can go. I don't watch until the postseason, so that's. <laughs> it's not I'm perfect honest, unless it's the Royals. Good business is when both sides compromise, man. We yeah. all know that. Yeah. That's that's so. This is good business. It's not perfect, but we're getting back. All right. Uh, let's see which one do I want to ask you next. All right. Let's get uh, UFC. UFC 272, we saw Horton Masvidal against Colby Covington. Ugh. Reactions. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I was watching, just watched the fight again. I apologize. I yeah. dozed off. I told you guys this is how it was going to go. It was bad. Masvidal's been done, man. He's been done for a long time. And Covington is, is a really good fighter. I can't stand the motherfucker. But he's really good, and he just outclassed Masvidal in every yeah, way. He outstruck him. He controlled the fight. Took him down like eight times. He just, he, it was just an absolute domination. And I felt the UFC card was just bad in itself. Like, there was a couple good fights. Um, when Holland uh, knocked out, was uh, um, I forgot the fighter he, he fought. He was a legend. I, I feel like an idiot. But Holland knocked out a guy, TKO'd him. And the second round, I forget, was getting choked out at the end of the first, was putting up the thumbs. Oh, that was yeah, yeah. a very entertaining Oliver. fight. Oliveira, thank yeah, you. Yeah. Oliveira, he beat Oliveira, yeah, and that was, was a good even fight in that first that. round. Yeah, Oliveira's a Holland, stud. Holland, he's a he's a he's, he's a legend a, in the making. Bro. I like this kid. Yeah, he just yeah, he's like bro. I'm good. Next round, beat the shit out of him. So like there were some good fights <laughs> in, in the middle of the card, but that that being the main event was just criminal, man. I, I hated that card so much in regards to the the build up for that fight because it was a joke of a fight. Masvidal just obviously got himself a nice little you know payday on that one. There was a fake beef between them. I guarantee him and Covington are still boys. Yeah. it's just a joke. It was the, a bad. Next, the next couple cards are going to be a lot better. Uh, my boy Chimeyev is going to be fighting in April, which I cannot wait for. Yep. Um, uh, the, the zombie's coming back. The Korean zombie's coming back. Uh, he's fighting uh, the, the champion. I forget his name, but he's going to be Volkanovsky. back. Volkanovski. So, Thank yeah. you. Yes. UFC 273 will be the Korean zombie against Volkanovski. They have Sterling against uh, Peter Yan. Mm-hmm. My boy uh, Chimeyev, baby. I think he's yeah. fighting Gilbert Burns. And Kev, uh, That's a bit good fight, who? man. Ch- I think he's fighting Gilbert Burns, if I'm not mistaken, right? Who, Peter Yan? No, uh, Chimeyev. Uh, That's like the fourth fight. Is that on that card? Or is that it's on, on that card. Next it's card. on that card. Are you sure? Yeah. It's April 9th, I'm not mistaken. I'm not sure. I don't see his name. Chimeyev. But, um... Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Not, not on here. That might be the card after this next one. Yeah, Chimeyev versus Burns is Saturday. 273. Or is that this Saturday? No, it's it, 273 is, uh... I don't fucking see his name. April 9th. Yeah, I don't see his name. Yeah, he's on the card. Oh yeah, he's the first fight on the main card. No, he like he's the first fight of the event. Okay, okay. Like, well, prelims? prelims of the prelims. Hmm. Chimeyev versus Gilbert Burns, the first of the prelims. Yeah, well, I'll be watching that one. Well, regardless, my boy Chimeyev is ten and zero going against a, a very good fighter in Gilbert Burns, and he's gonna whoop that ass. Yeah, and that's gonna be a, that's gonna be a card. I'm Burns very is much a fighter though, man. Yeah, don't, man. Burns don't, is a damn good fighter. Shit, yeah. Kevin Gastelum is fighting uh, mm-hmm. Imavov. So that's a that's, that's a good, be, that's damn be a good card, man. That's gonna be a good fight. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, Colby threw, you know, Jorge around like a rag Masvidal, you know what I mean? So <laughs> it was, yeah, it was bad, man. It was, it was rough to watch. Um, but yeah, yeah even like he caught him though. He, he fucking. He, oh, him. he should have. He should have capitalized. But he has no stamina, bro. His stamina is trash. <laughs> he did. He did he get him. His stamina but then you see Masvidal walking towards him. He. Yeah, dude. Like he, he, he let me down. He let me down, man. He, I was going with my boy. He's he's got to he's got to hang him up. It's yeah. it's, yeah, it's tight. Yeah, it's bad. He said he'll be back too. 
Yeah, next time I hope he fights like, you know, freaking Matt Sarah coming out of retirement or something because <laughs> he ain't fighting anybody worth note anymore. They're all yeah. just gonna whoop that ass. Yeah, he's 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 done. His endurance was just non-existent. He, every time he got pinned up against the cage or or on the floor, he just couldn't move. He couldn't budge. Like yeah. it was just all he had was a chance. All he had only chance he had was you know the. the the standing game, you yeah. know, maybe catching him. And he caught him once on that really good one, but he didn't capitalize because he didn't have the gas. Right. Um, the Oliveira fight was my favorite fight of the night. That was a fun one. Holland, man, I, I gained even more respect. I've watched him fight a couple times before. I didn't I, – he wasn't fighting big names. That was a, by far probably his biggest fight of his career so far. Um, so that was impressive. I love his personality. That's one thing I will say that the MLB doesn't do that the UFC is great at is capitalizing on personalities – uh, other other fighters, and this is, it's fun to watch these guys grow, and I'm excited to see what Holland can become in this league. He could definitely become one of those like notable guys, personality wise, and prize fights and things like that. So um, it was a good card overall. The the main event was one of the worst fights of the night, unfortunately, but um, glad I didn't pay for it. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't pay for it. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, Coach Pop is now the record holder for most wins in NBA history. Thoughts on that? Yeah, he also has the most 50 win seasons. Uh, he's won five NBA championships. He's been to, I believe, seven, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. He's only had like three or four losing seasons. Not even, how many losing seasons does he have? Uh, two. Two. Uh, I believe bro. last year and the year before that. I think they were like back to back. That was, that was like transition. year 27 yeah. and 28 as a, as a head coach. And yeah. he obviously hasn't had the superstars that he once had. It's hard to market in San Antonio. So you get what you, you get, what you get, man. And I think that he, obviously he's at the tail end of his career, 73 years old. But I will say this, man. For the, for the longest time, I, I have felt that Greg Popovich has been the best head coach in NBA history. Maybe not the most successful, but I think yeah. the best. Yeah. Because of what he was able to do for as long Draft. as he did it. For yeah. as long as he did it. To be able to get to be able to get a superstar like Tim Duncan mm-hmm. to to humble himself into becoming a guy that went from being a role player in his first season with David Robinson being his team and winning a title that way yep. to then winning three more as the best player and then ended up becoming a role player again in his final championship. When he did it in To an, be able to get a superstar player to do that right. with Mono Ginobili there, with Tony Parker there, with Kawhi Leonard there, with Michael Finley, with Bradley Bradley Avery, I'm sorry. Um, yeah. Avery Bradley, Avery Bradley is a Bradley Avery with yeah. Bra- uh, Avery Bradley there with all uh, uh, Delphi, uh, Delphi, Del Negro, like all these guys throughout the years, man, to con- culminate them and take on uh, dynasties and beat those dynasties like the sh- like the early Shaq years and, and Shaq and Kobe years of the Lakers, like LeBron and the Heat beating them in the finals, like to be able to take on dynasties and still win titles throughout time and be competitive throughout time. That is a representation of Popovich, not even to mention what he did with the U S Olympics teams mm-hmm. when they, they were on the down and outs this last time around, people thought, Oh, this team is not as talented. They, they weren't, they clearly weren't. They were relying on guys like Damian Lillard who haven't won anything in their careers, uh, Jason Tatum and young guys like that. And they go out there and win the gold. And he was the one coaching that team. He was there on that team. So, I'm going to give Greg Popovich a ton of respect for this one man. He's earned this right. Passing Lenny Wilkins, passing Donnie Nelson, passing Archibald, passing all the greats, and doing what he's done as consistently as he has done it. He deserves all the praise. He won't receive any of it. Mm-hmm. Doesn't right. like talking about I himself. I love that presser, Doesn't like getting man. patted on the show. He's, so he's a military man. You know, he doesn't like getting glory. But he's getting it anyway, man, because yeah. he's. I think he's the greatest coach to ever, ever, be co- ever coach in the NBA. He'll never be looked at yeah. that way, but I think he is. Yeah, I mean, he's one chip short of, of what people call the gro- the greatest, you know, but I, I, I think he is the greatest as well. Um, 
this accomplishment is is the longevity of it. what he did with that trio, man, with Ginobili, Parker, and and Duncan. As long as he kept them together, and the success that they had was unmatched. I mean, I know you had Scotty and Michael. That was probably the closest like duo, but this is a trio. Keeping a trio of guys like that together that long and having the success year in year out, winning five titles, um, man, that was. And the fact the way he did it so uniquely with with uh, foreign foreign players. You know, guys from different countries, not American-made guys. He wanted it in a very unique way and brought in guys that changed position. Like, Mono Ginobili changed the NBA in a lot of ways. He created a lot of the Euro-step stuff, and it brought a lot of that style to the game. Uh, and a lot, a lot of players, modern players, will credit Mono Ginobili for that. And he, he saw those things ahead of time. He was very much ahead of his time as far as scouting talent. That's one thing I love about Pop is the way he scouts talent and brings guys in and finds ways to fit them in and, you know, uh, find a way, a system and work around. You know, he had very vanilla guys like Tim Duncan, not an exciting player, but a guy that just always got the job done. And you just that, that coaching to that coach to player, the genius between those two players, that leadership was just incredible what he built there for that long. Um, and it's just continued to find ways to win games every year, no matter what the roster was. Um, it's just highly impressive. He's by far my favorite coach of all time. And I think he is the greatest coach of all time and this the selfless mentality that he has. I watched his presser last night talking about, you know, we won this 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 you know, we won this as a as a group, as all the players and coaches over the years that have contributed to this. I didn't win any of this. He's like, I, I can't. He's like, there's no way I could possibly win this by myself. This is a we uh, accomplishment. So I, I continue to love that guy for what he is and what he's always stood for. He's always been an activist for, you know, uh, issues that are going on in this country. He's always, he's never been silent on issues. And that's, that's another thing I love about him too. He's just, to me, he's the GOAT for many, many, many reasons other than just basketball. Uh, but yeah, for being a, a voice and a mouthpiece for, you know, silent, you know, majority of people. Um, but yeah, Greg Popovich, man, the GOAT coach in my mind for sure. All right. So we officially got news that Aaron Rodgers was uh, staying with Green Bay Packers. Uh I wanted your, your 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 reactions to to all these news and obviously him coming out saying that there's no deal, uh, there's no new contract or whatever. So oh, by the way, guys, Aaron Rodgers uh, stayed with the Packers. Did you guys get that part? Like we're we're almost two in, what an hour and a half into our show, and we're just now mentioning it. that's how heavy the news has been this week. We got other the quarterback conversation ever. to yeah. talk about, but yeah, 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 well, that's according to what Rappaport said. But McAfee, who had the scoop initially was saying that there was no actual details yet, and I don't think there have been any mm. details released. They are, they're saying that it's supposed to be around $50 million a year, but that's and all Aaron speculative. That's that all, yeah. And I loved it because Aaron Rodgers was talking about it like, hey, I just want you guys know I'm still here, like, because, the <laughs> you know, the Russell Wilson news broke, and then everyone's talking about that because that's one of the biggest trades in the history of the NFL. And then they Aaron's like, just want to specify, just – Hey everyone, just want to let you guys know I'm still here. What's good? You know, like I want to let y'all know that th- this isn't true about the the here. numbers. Yeah, look over here. Look over here. You know, like that's what it felt like. Um, but I, I felt this was the right choice, and, and there's a lot of reasons why. You know, him staying with the Packers is the best choice. For for one, if you look at the AFC side, if he really wanted to go to the AFC side, you know, there was that speculation about the Broncos being the team that wanted to to go and get him, and I do I do believe the Broncos were full fledged after him. Um, it wouldn't have made sense for Rodgers' legacy. Would he have made a lot of money? Would they have been a decent team? Sure, yes. But think about the gauntlet you'd have to go through on the AFC side just to get back to a Super Bowl. And he hasn't been to the Super Bowl in 11 years on the NFC side. 
You really think that's going to happen now on the AFC side when you have to go through uh, just, a, like I said, a juggernaut group of quarterbacks in, in the AFC side of things? I don't see it. So on the NFC side, not only is it much easier over there, but he's playing in one of the worst divisions in football. I mean, you're talking about the Bears, who are just uh, an absolute just joke at this point. You look at the Vikings, good but never great. They're at best, they're a good team that makes the playoffs but never makes a deep playoff push. And then you look at the Lions, LOL, where we can just move on. So he he's going to win his division again. They're going to get back in the playoffs, probably choke again. But that's his best opportunity to get to where he wants to go, which is another <clears throat> Super Bowl. Hopefully, this offseason he ate enough butter, and you know. Excreted it out, you know, in, in a more methodical manner. So maybe you know he can be a little more calm in the big moments in the playoffs, not lose to Jimmy Garoppolo when Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't throw a touchdown. That's enough slander on the back-to-back -back MVP of the NFL. <laughs> um, listen, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't care. I don't care about all the side stories and shit. I'm sure Aaron Rodgers is. He contributes to it absolutely. He's a he's a he's a seeker of the attention, and uh, I don't really give a shit. He's great at football, and that's I'm ex I'm expecting to be great at football again this next season. <laughs> they're gonna tag. I don't know if they have have they tagged Devontae Adams they have yet? Not yet. And I, I think they're gonna tag him and then give him a long term deal. Yeah, I'm sure that's what's gonna happen. So they want to keep that dynamic duo. The that's probably why they haven't announced uh, Aaron Rodgers' totals yet. Right. Because he doesn't want to show that he's fully committed to the actual yeah. contract until they give Devontae his numbers. But they're in cap hell right now, so they're going to have to make a lot of moves for that to happen. Zadarius Smith's going to get released. Yeah. A lot of guys are going to get released for them to make this fit. Yeah, we'll see what other moves they make outside of these two big ones here. they got to get these done first. But I'm expecting both those guys to be back together this year. Yeah. Um, you know, Packers fans can rejoice. Um, they have the, they even have a much bigger, they even have a better shot now because shit, Kirk Cousins might be out of the NFC. Uh, Russell Wilson's out of the NFC, so there's there's even that much more you know positive reasons to think you know that, that they can go get a chip this year or make another run here and not fail in the postseason because that's the only thing that's that you know they just fell flat in the postseason that can't keep happening. But whatever the the drama is going on, whatever I'm pretty sure all this is going to get to get settled and Aaron Rodgers is going to get his money. I'm pretty sure those numbers are probably accurate. They just probably he probably didn't want them out yet. Um, that's probably what he's going to get. They're going to tag and, and extend. Devontae Adams and that dynamic duo is going to continue to do what they've always done. Um, so I'm expecting another great Aaron, Aaron Rodgers season, uh, putting up great numbers and just being who he is. You know, one of the greatest throwers, if not the greatest thrower of the football I've ever seen. So kudos to him. He deserves it. He's back-to-back -back MVP. That's an extremely rare and difficult thing to accomplish in the NFL. Um, so I'm excited uh, to watch him play some more uh, football in a Packers uniform next year. Nice. So last question for you guys. Obviously, you guys – have seen sports news lately. And then the biggest story as of yesterday has been Deshaun Watson with uh, Deshaun Watson. Now my question to you is with the Panthers the Panthers making such a push to sign or to to trade for Deshaun Watson. What what does he bring to the Panthers? What what can we expect from him with the Panthers? And do you think the Panthers are the right fit for Deshaun Watson? Well, but before I even like, before I even speculate on what the whole him to the Panthers situation would bring to both sides, first of all, I think there's gonna be other teams that are gonna make some big pushes for him. I, I want to start from the beginning though with with this whole ordeal. So all of last year, we didn't see Deshaun Watson play. We didn't hear him talk. He stayed off Twitter. Stayed off all of it. And I think that was the best decision he could have made. When I first heard the news about all these sexual assault allegations and all this other stuff that was going on with these uh, women that were massage therapists. At first, when I heard about it, 
And I didn't see details. I didn't know what exactly was said or the, even the amount of women that came out. I thought, oh, man, the Texans are really trying to push this thing hard to, to get him to basically submit. And then I was quickly reminded about how ludicrous that would be. And I think that it was you two that really brought that to light to me quickly. And it's pretty obvious why. When you have over 20 women coming out at one time saying something about one particular man and it all lines up in unison and these women all range from four different states that tells me that there's a real problem here the only and let's clarify this he wasn't proven innocent in this let's 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 be very transparent here he could be let's say that he could be innocent the fact is they just couldn't put enough on him to incriminate him and indict him and move forward with the proceedings so he's a free man by technicality, and that means what? He can play some football now. So you can get here and mad, be mad at the NFL and be mad at whatever team signs him. Guys, that's just the facts of the matter here. You can call him a disgusting animal of a human being. You can call him whatever you want. And I, I can I can sympathize with some of those those sentiments because from the outside looking in, it's, it's a very minute chance that he is completely innocent when, again, 20 different women from four different states are coming out and stating the obvious of what took place between him and them. And some of them weren't even civil suits. Some of these women weren't even trying to get money from him. They were just trying to save other people from potentially enduring the same uh, experience with Deshaun Watson. They had gross details in some of these stories. So I have a hard time believing that these women are all lying. And even if 19, 20 of them that were lying, if just one was telling the truth, that is, to me, enough to say, God, that is disgusting. It's it's despicable. Having said all that, once again, that didn't happen. He's not going to prison. He's not ha facing any criminal charges. So he will be playing football in the NFL in this coming season, and there will be a market for Deshaun Watson, who is 26 years old, and when he plays as a top-five quarterback in this league, do not mistake yourself. Do not fool yourself. There will be several teams, and I and the Panthers are one of the top ones. And in fact, they probably have the best chance of getting him. And they will be the most aggressive because you even think about it from a fanhood's aspect. Where did he play college? Clemson. Where's Clemson? Carolina. Where do the Panthers play? Carolina. It makes a lot of sense to go and get him, change the trajectory of your franchise, save Matt Rule's ass, and go and try to save that franchise and build your team around uh, 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 Deshaun Watson for the foreseeable future. I think the Seahawks make a lot of sense. I know they're a very, li very liberal city. They have a woman owner. So from the optics of it, that probably doesn't look very well. But they could flip that and say, look, second chances are here. We're the team that's going to provide that for him. And also, let's not bullshit here. He's going to make our team a lot better. We just lost Russell. Yeah, because yeah. we just lost Russell Wilson. Yeah. Our fan base is probably pissed off about that. Mm -hmm. We go and get Deshaun Watson. People are going to be mad for like a minute and go, how dare he, How dare we sign a, a guy that did the things he supposedly did? And then football season comes around. Those people are in the stands. Throw on the money so, goggles. Yeah, yeah. so I, I, look, I think the Seahawks make a lot of sense. I think the Panthers make a lot of sense. I think there are, are several of the teams. The Saints should be a team that entertains it. I know that they don't have the cap structure. They could try to trade, make some things happen. I think the Vikings should be a team that look into this as well. I think the Giants should be a team that looks into this as well. I'm naming all NFC teams intentionally because the Texans would be completely morons yeah. to trade him in the AFC. I know the Pittsburgh Steelers make a lot of sense. I know the Colts make a lot of sense. Yeah. The Colts are in the same division as the Texans. That is 0% chance happening. <laughs> the Steelers, yeah, it makes sense. Do you really want to have him in the AFC? No. If I'm the Texans, I'm getting him as far away from my team as possible. Do what the, the Seahawks just did with Russell Wilson. Get him out of your conference. A guy that you at best would have to face in the next four years. 
Deshaun Watson, to me, needs to go to the NFC, especially for his side of things, because he has a no-trade clause, which means he can somewhat choose where he goes. If I'm him, I'm going to the NFC, because outside of Matt Stafford and Aaron Rodgers, there's nothing proven out there like, as far as quarterbacks are concerned. Yeah, you have Kyler Murray and Trey Lance and guys like that that are young, upcoming quarterbacks, but do we know what they really are at this point? No. So if I'm Deshaun Watson, I want to go to the NFC. And if I'm the Texans, I want to send his ass to the NFC. And if I'm an NFC team that doesn't have a surefire Hall of Fame quarterback, I'm trading for Deshaun Watson. I'm giving up whatever it takes. Because, again, when he plays, he's one of the five quarterbacks in football. We'll just see how this goes. But, I, I again, I understand the passion and zeal about the situation. But I'm glad that we finally have some sort of semblance and resolution as to what's going to take place. Because for the longest time now, I felt that we were further along, we were further away from resolution than we were 12 to 15 months ago when this all first came out. Yeah, I don't even want to get into all the, 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 the details or lack of details in the, the trial and the case. All I know is that the, the case was thrown out, um, you know, the, Obviously, there wasn't enough evidence to be damning to, you know, come down with some kind of penalty on him. Um, uh, there's a lot of questions amongst his character, you know, who he is and what he did. But there was all, I mean, throughout that process, there was choices made by individuals. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of it was probably voluntary. There's probably money exchanged. And I don't know what all took place in these situations. But I don't I don't believe anything was um, forced on anyone or anything like that. So that... That's kind of where I'm going to leave that. <clears throat> I don't know too much or enough to really uh, speak on that per se. But, um, yeah, as far as football goes, I mean, this guy is an elite talent in my mind. I think when he's when he's clicking on all cylinders, he's definitely a top five guy in this league. Um, we saw that with the lack of talent, too. Or, you know, and Granted, he had DeAndre Hopkins, uh, <clears throat> and that duo was nice. Uh, but I think, I think Seattle is a great spot for him to land. Uh, NFC definitely makes too much sense that the Panthers would be a good spot because they have, you know, they have DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, and uh, Chris McCaffrey for now. If they're going to trade him, I'm not sure what they're going to do with that. But that is a good offense to walk into, um, and it's a it's a it's a, um, uh, a a defense that is improving and getting better. They've had they've had some young guys that have come over there and improved that defense. <clears throat> so I think that's a great. I think those are my two best spots for him. I think as far as the NFC goes, obviously the Steelers would be a smash spot for him with that defense, and you know the receivers they got over there and they'd probably find a way to keep juju along along that in that mix of receivers over there if they found a way to land deshaun um but i think they will ship him off to the nfc somewhere i think it will be seattle or uh carolina those two make the most sense for sure um and he would immediately walk into two offenses that have elite receivers. And another team I just forgot to mention is the Eagles. And according to Philly Birds Country, it's a, a big following uh, or a big uh, Twitter account on the mm. on the Eagles. That makes a lot of sense. Jalen Hurts just removed a quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles from his bio mm. on his Twitter account. And I'm looking at his account right now. They were now. just talking that, about extending That is true. So yeah. maybe maybe he got the tip, hey, look, man, we're going to move on from you. We're going to trade. I don't think he's a long-term answer anyway. Jalen Hurts, <laughs> if you put Jalen Hurts and a couple first-round picks to the Texans, that would yeah. make a lot of sense. Yeah. I'm not saying that's the best trade out there. There could be a better trade out there. But as it currently – I mean, look at the Seahawks. You could look at that trade from the Russell Wilson aspect and say, well, they may have gotten those trade picks back for the Jamal Adams situation to justify that trade again. But maybe they're using those to go and get going Deshaun to Philly, Watson. That'd be cool to see. But Philadelphia is an option. I think the Panthers are obviously a team that they're going to go full swing for them. They have a new owner, well, motivated maybe. to win. Devonta Smith he over played there. College at that in that area with him and Devonta Smith. Yeah. Be kind of fun to watch. Yeah. yeah. So th those are the three teams I would look mm. out for the most. But I do think by Monday or Tuesday, guys, we're going to know something about Deshaun Watson. And, and they're they're saying by uh, was it James Palmer was on a local radio this week. He said by Wednesday they should have an idea. Yeah, Sweet stakes for him is outrageous yeah. right now. You know, every team is fiending for that guy. The Giants, too. You know, yeah. other teams like that are probably looking to, to get a piece of that as well. So, 
I'm excited. It's, it's, it's just for football purposes. I'm gonna be excited to have him back. He was just so fun to watch, man. Um, not having him in the AFC would kind of suck though, because I did like what was brewing there between him and Pat. There were some epic games between between those two, but yeah. That's it for me. All right, there you go. Well, we uh, actually do we have any comments that, either, that people have uh, thrown anything down uh, on? Let's see. I want I want to at least get some... anybody worth our uh, time. One of the comments was like all the important cheese uh, brads is in Hawaii with Kareem Hunt until tomorrow. With the NFL, with the new NFL year beginning on Wednesday, expect cheese news by Monday. Uh, the other one was uh, Freeman was 2020 NL MVP. Solar was World Series MVP. Oh, I'm sorry. After, Solar was the MVP. I apologize. On yeah, that after World, World, World Series. Uh, yeah, World Series. Uh, Freeman was the National League MVP. Yes, uh, yes. Overall. I thought he won the World Series MVP. It was actually Solar. Solar had like Solar. four or five home runs Shit, in that yeah. series. Insane. Yeah, it was unbelievable. He was, he was on fire the whole yeah. playoffs. Yeah, I, I apologize. I was That was a, a gaffe on my behalf, but I do know that Freeman did win MVP last season. He's he's still one of the position players. Freeman's one of the 20 best position players in all of baseball. And that's saying something, man, because you're talking about nine different positions on every single – all the 30 teams. He's one of the 20 best, and I, I think if the Dodgers land him, you can – you can almost pencil them in to be at least in the NLCS next year, um, but yeah, when it comes to the when it comes to the Chiefs things, man, just one more thing I want to add is that I, I really hope that everyone is is excited about this offseason because just from just from what the Chiefs have done inwardly, they've improved. They cut fat with Anthony Hitchens. They're going to trim the fat with Frank Clark. They, their offensive line is going to be better this year from one year to the next, even if they don't make any substantial improvements on right tackle. They just get an average player. This offensive line is going to be much better than it was last season because yeah. the form them working together for another offseason. I think that you're going to see an even better McCole Hardman than he was last year because you saw as the season progressed last year, he got better and better. Clyde will be healthier. I think the Chiefs will add a running back to the equation. I think the Chiefs are going to add a wide receiver to the equation. I think this offense is going to be better next season. And more importantly, Brett Veach knows that he's going to overcorrect on the defensive side. I don't know which, what players are going to be coming to Kansas City, but they're going to add pieces. We've already suggested pieces. I know the Chiefs have already looked at these same guys. It isn't that it's a mystery, and we're breaking the news here as to what's available out there. Yeah. I think the Chiefs are going to trade for guys. I think they're going to sign guys, and they're going to draft some guys. And this defense is going to be much better because if they don't, yeah, it's going to be a lot harder for the Chiefs to continue the success they've had. I don't know if you saw today that the Dallas Cowboys announced that they're going to allow Lyle Collins to seek a trade. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's the best a, that's right a, tackle in football. That's what I'm saying. So, I mean, maybe. If, we, if the Chiefs figure out a way to land that guy, add that to the mix. I mean, I'd be interested to know what they want. That's too much probably for us, but yeah, that's yeah, pretty rich for our blood for what we're probably willing to pay a right tackle. But if the Chiefs that's didn't an elite have, guy right there, if the bro. Chiefs didn't have such problems in the front seven of their defense, I'd say trade the 30th overall pick for Leon Collins. Bro. I, I would gladly imagine do that. that along this. My God, <laughs> but because of the fact that defense is the priority, they need yeah. to focus on that. Collins is probably going to be a little too rich for the Chiefs in trade market. Mm -hmm. If he was a free agent, by God, I'm you better saying. sign him. So. Yeah, is he going to trade? I mean, if they figure out some way to make a trade with that, shit, <laughs> that'd be wild, man. We got one more order of business to tend to, guys. What is it called? Hold, Hold this L. Each and every week, we finish off each and every episode with a series of L's in the world of sports. Whether they're friendly or not friendly, L's in the world of sports. We promise you, who's ever holding those L's in the world of sports deserve the motherfucking L's in the world of sports. Mr. Eddie Ortiz, Mr. Yo Yo Yo, who's holding the L for you this week, and why is it F1? Oh shit, I'm not ready. No, <laughs> <laughs> nah, not F1. Uh, I'm gonna give it to PSG. Uh, PSG. Uh, fuck, how do you say it? Paris? Paris Saint Germain. Grab <laughs> the foot with PSG. <laughs> Soccer, France, uh, obviously Paris. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to give it to them. Uh, Tuesday they had a game against Real Madrid for the Champions League. Uh, I want to say quarterfinal. I think it was quarterfinal or round of 16. I can't remember. It was a knockout uh, knockout match. So, uh, 
they were winning 1-0 on the aggregate score. They go into uh, Real Madrid's ha uh, home. Uh, they go up 1-0 uh, right before halftime. Uh, so now you're you're looking at 2-0 on the aggregate, and the only way Madrid could advance is by uh, winning the game or tying the game and taking it to overtime. But they just they did just that. Uh, PSG, uh, the goalkeeper Donnarumma, decided to you know gift gift Real Madrid a goal, and that's all they needed to spark a fucking uh, to spark something up their ass. Cause my God, they took over that game, and then they scored two more goals. Uh, and on the aggregate, they won three to two. So for PSG to to let that happen to to a game that they they had in the bag pretty much, uh, you were forty five minutes away from. Advancing into the next round, right? But your goalie decided to make a mistake, cost the first goal, and then the whole team just falls apart after that. Like there was just no chemistry. Like the team completely changed from who they were, like from who they were uh, the game before and this game. So it was depressing seeing that. Uh, it was pretty embarrassing. Uh, Knowing the kind of players that uh, PSG has with Neymar, Mbappe, uh, Messi, obviously in there, Verratti, uh, Di Maria, so they had the star power to to go into uh, into Madrid and beat them, but they did the opposite. Mm. I don't know what happened. Uh, you can sit here and cry and say, "Well, it was the refs' fault." Yada yada. yada. Play better. That was just horrible that was terrible so if not only you held the nail on Tuesday but you're gonna hold one today so <laughs> PSG do me a favor and uh, hold this L. L Trevor Twidwell who's holding the L for you this week alright so I've got kind of a trifecta L all in one um, I'm just gonna say it the Indianapolis Colts Carson Wentz and the Washington Commanders um <laughs> Listen, man, all of you all of you lose at once. Uh, the Colts lose now because they obviously traded two first-round picks to go get Carson Wentz. That thought would be the answer to their quarterback woes. Um, elite defense, elite rushing game, uh, and they completely fell apart in the end of the season because of their quarterback, the guy that they traded for two first-round picks for. Um, and not only that, he only played one season after trading two first-round picks for this guy to be your future. Um, and, and the, the, the you know, the... And I bought into it too. You know, the story of reuniting Frank Reich with the guy that, you know, he provided the best Carson Wentz season, the arguably the MVP caliber season. I bought into it. I thought he was going to be a really good answer for the Colts uh, quarterback position. Um, and at times he looked good, um, made some crazy good throws at times. He's got talent, um, but the guy just doesn't have it up here. I think Carson Wentz has been broken for some years upstairs. Um, and we saw it in those, those that Raiders game and then that final game of the year. Uh, where it was basically a playing game for them to make the postseason. They couldn't beat Jacksonville. You know, he was right. terrible. He was absolutely atrocious to watch. Um, and Jonathan Taylor is the truth. Jonathan Taylor and that defense carried them most of the time in the in this this you know this season. Um, and Carson Wentz didn't ha even have to do much. There wasn't even a lot of pressure on him, and he right. still was failing. Um, so that is a failure in itself for Carson Wentz to not be able to overcome the Jacksonville Jaguars or to possibly make a playoff berth. It's embarrassing for him. It's embarrassing for the Colts to <laughs> dedicate that much, uh, you know, um, putting that much uh, uh, 
as far as pieces and money and, and, and picks to acquire this man only for one season and just to trade him off to the Washington Commanders, um, who are going to pay his full $28 million in contract this right. year with a $5 million sign-on bonus. Um, I think that's only for one year. I think it's only locking him up for one year, at least for this season. Um, I don't know if they're going to extend him, but that's an L for Washington as well to pay this man $28 million and a $5 million sign-on bonus to come play for this team. Um, it's all its all just an absolute clusterfuck of a move for all three of these individuals, uh, these two teams, and this player. Uh, the downfall of Carson Wentz was so drastically quick, man. That was It's insane. Yeah. Like for, he, he was it was must-watch TV a few years back, man. <laughs> like must-watch TV Carson Wentz every time you I, – I was watching him any chance I could, man. Uh, he was fun for fantasy purposes. Any fantasy player knows that even if you grabbed early Carson Wentz, you know, and you you found a gym in the late rounds, of, and a lot of people he won a lot of a lot of people money that year. Um, but yeah, Washington, Carson Wentz, Indianapolis Colts. This atrocity of whatever you want to call it. There's so much shit that's gone on. This has been a failure for all these all three of these teams. And uh, good luck to Washington, man. Uh, for that, I think I felt, I felt like they had a fairly good quarterback last year that was, you know, could possibly become a better player. But they they don't have faith in him and they want to go into this dumpster fire well, of a quarterback. That's a backup. That's, that's backup. Yeah, Heineke. No, Carson Wentz are backup. Oh, Carson Wentz is gonna be the starter. No, one hundred percent gonna be the starter. He's the starter. But he's got paying, tw- he's paying twenty-eight million dollars. <laughs> twenty-eight million of the thirty-two million dollars in cap space. Yeah, but I, I agree. With you. I think Heineke might be the better player at this point. <laughs> I like that kid a lot. Um, I don't know what the, what are the Colts getting as far as, as far as quarterback though. I, think it's, uh, I mean, like, who is their? I don't even know who their quarterback the, is. Supposedly right now. they're going to go Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, that's. I, a, I've heard that's that. hilarious. That's a good fit. Mitchell I think, for that Trubisky, team. like guys like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, but I think that's a better fit than a turnover prone quarterback. Jimmy G. Jimmy G's yeah, not like a turnover prone oh, guy. Yeah. He's a safe guy, so that makes sense with that with that system and the, the and Jonathan Taylor being who he is already. My it's God, funny how Jimmy G reminds me a lot of Alex Smith in a way. Yeah, he's that same yeah. type of prototypical, yeah. you know, um, dink and dunk kind of game manager. Yeah. It's it, it it is successful until the postseason. Mm-hmm. So you got to like be extraordinary. That's when those kind of quarterbacks typically fail, especially yeah. today's game. Anyways, Colts, Indianapolis Colts, Washington Commanders. Uh, and Carson Wentz, all three of y'all, do me a solid favor and hold this L. Those are good L's, guys. Those are good L's. I, yeah, Chris Ballard was was the guy that when he yeah. left the Chiefs, everyone thought, oh, my God, what a massive loss. Yeah. And he did build a really good defense I still, the I still, Yeah, it's not all his but fault, but that was – You a, trade multiple first-round picks to get Carson Wentz. He cost you your season and your playoff berth against the worst team in the AFC. <laughs> and then you then trade so him, bad. and then you get two-thirds in return. And people are like, oh, that was great. You got two-thirds. They gave up two firsts <laughs> to get him. Like, think about that. Think now they want those back? Now the Colts don't have a quarterback. The Eagles won that trade. Yeah, the, quarterbacks, the, the Colts don't have a quarterback, and they don't have a first-round pick. Yeah. So they, they massive L's. I should well, just yeah, give the them. the Eagles got Devonta Smith out of that. You know what I mean? I, I'm going to stay in the yeah. AFC side of things. In particular, yeah. the division we just broke down, everything we talked about all day long, we left out one team in particular. That is the Las Vegas Raiders. Hmm. So the Las Vegas Raiders are sitting back watching the AFC West just get bulkier and bulkier, and the AFC just is getting bulkier and bulkier. And then the Raiders, they did re-sign Max Crosby to a lucrative deal. He got $53 million guaranteed, four-year, $99 Most million. Dollars. Serve, very, I'm very happy for Max Crosby. Yeah. Love the guy to death. Derek Carr is going to get himself an extension. The other players on that team have gotten extensions when they're trying to soften the cap number. And actually, the Raiders, I believe right now, are sitting at seventh overall in cap space, right at $31.8 million in cap space, mm. which is really good. Um, 
Yeah, no one's going to want to come to the AFC West unless they're playing for a team that has Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, and Justin Herbert as their quarterback because now the Raiders have the fourth best quarterback in their own division, and Derek Carr's good. Yeah. He's a good quarterback. He's like yeah. 10 to 15th best quarterback in the league. Before Deshaun Watson got get reactivated, basically, I had uh, Deshaun, Derek Carr as the 10th best quarterback in the league. Go ahead. Breaking news. Uh, Cowboys are finalizing a trade to send wide receiver Amari Cooper in a six-round pick to the Cleveland Browns for a 2022 fifth-round pick and a sixth-round pick. Well, I'm going to give the L now really to my to uh, top three, five free agent once. Motherfucker. He's going to Cleveland, bro. Or OBJ couldn't even get catch a stride there. You think Amari's going to go up there and thrive? Man, Landry's gone. Damn it, bro. Wow. Well, that sucks. How, 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 what is, what is the, how many years? Is it just a one-year deal, so or is just it trading him? So trade. He's gonna oh, get an extension. So he's just gonna fulfill his contract. Over. Oh, okay. So he's just gonna. It's, what the hell, man? Why Cleveland, bro? God damn it! Yeah. I'm mad. And they're getting. To, yeah, I'm mad too. Just bring. Just so the Cleveland clean. Browns are sending a fifth-round pick and a sixth-round pick to get Amari Cooper. I'm confused. So the <laughs> so the Cowboys are finalizing a trade to send wide receiver Amari Cooper for a fifth and a, and a sixth and a sixth round pick to the Cleveland Browns for a 2022nd fifth round pick and a sixth. There's got to be more. Who's reporting this? There's got to be more to that Schefter. deal. There's got to be more details of that deal, though. There's no way that fifth Three and a sixth. Three minutes ago, Adam Schefter. Oh, what the hell, I'm mad. man! A fifth and a sixth. That can't be right, dude. There's got to be more details to that. That's that's all he said. A fifth and a sixth. I'm going How to did be, the Chiefs not I'm make this goddamn trade? <laughs> this upsets me. This upsets me, man. Well, I can add another L to your list. <laughs> Motherfucker, dude! They got God a 2022 dang. fifth round pick and a sixth round pick for Amari Cooper. Yeah, that's what's it. What the fuck, man? Ah, damn it. How did the Chiefs not... How did no one else have more to offer? I mean, let alone the Chiefs, but like... The, the Chiefs could have just thrown a third-round pick and called it even. You could have reunited with the Raiders for the same price. It, they had more to offer, too. God damn. All right, well... <laughs> I'm mad. Yeah, I'm upset. I'm very, very angry right this now. Is, uh, this is a disappointment this uh, year for Brady. Well, look, I, there's, that's a, that's there's still – I will maintain my integrity here with what I said, that there are st- – even if the Chiefs miss on Amari Cooper, yeah. there are still several other options out there they can get they are going to be absolute upgrades at wide receiver too. God but he it. was the unicorn, man. Damn. And now they traded him for fucking pennies on the dollar? A fifth to six. That doesn't make any sense, man. How did, how did, Cleveland, they got a freaking, how did Cleveland swing that? They got a bag of jerky – for, they tried a bag of jerky. Why would he go to Cleveland though? Like he could have went somewhere. He could have. Well, I don't think he can agree. I, mean, I, I don't know think, they. they I don't think the he trade. has a trade clause. I don't think he has a, tra- a no trade yeah. clause. They're like, fuck you. We're sending you to Cleveland, bro. <laughs> this is what we think you're worth—a fifth and a, a sixth. Fifth and a sixth round pick, dude. That's that's insulting. I'm insulted. Well, I'm glad you guys got to see my live experience of this right as the show's about to end. Watch you die inside live Son on. Son of a bitch. <laughs> well. <clears throat> Al yeah. Robinson, Juju Smith-Schuster, what's good? Because, yeah. hey, those are very viable options. Come on. Come on. Bring it come on, on, bitches. Let's do this. Let's come come win a Super Bowl. God, hey, good luck and, and enjoy being under and overthrown by Baker Mayfield next season. That's going to be fun for Amari Cooper. A poor Jesus, guy. Jesus, man. Poor guy. Well, I'm going to go ahead and uh, extend my L, and I'm going to continue this through the tears that I'm currently crying. Um 
the Raiders, man, I feel bad for them because of the fact that you look at this this offseason and they, they have cap space. They have a good quarterback. They're feeling good about their head coach. It's going to be a, an absolute nightmare in Josh McDaniels. But they're feeling good about themselves. And then they have to look across the way and see three AFC West opponents that have upgraded at key positions that have three clearly better quarterbacks than their quarterback, even though, again, their quarterback is good. Russell Wilson, Justin Herbert, and Patrick Mahomes. And then the fact that, again, you're creating this cap space to see these guys go elsewhere because they're not going to pin themselves to a franchise that is going to be, at best, the third or fourth best team in their own division. So... I wish the Raiders nothing but the best of luck in this one because you're going to need all of it. I know you guys made the playoffs this last year. You had to beat four straight bad teams and non-playoff teams to even get there. And a lot of had to go right for you guys. You're about to overpay for Derek Carr. It's the only choice you really have at this point. You're extending your guys to give yourself the best chance. But y'all ain't got no chance. And I know this offseason is going to be fun to convince yourselves that y'all can make a run. You're going to be the fourth best team in your own division for that. Spend that money. Do what you do. It's Las Vegas. It's what you guys do out there already. But you have to do me a solid and hold this L because the coin slots are dry. So we got a lot of news, guys. I hope you guys are ready for this next week. We're going to have a ton to talk about next week. We're hopefully going to have our guy from DNVR Sports, uh, Broncos beat reporter, Zach Stevens on next week. He was going to be on this week. Had to go out la- got to go out of town uh, last minute this week, but he will hopefully be with us next week to discuss the whole Broncos thing, what they're thinking about right now, fans, what's their what's the pulse on the fan base out there? Are they excited about this? What do they think about Russell Wilson? I want to get all of his thoughts on this, but this is what we have for you guys as it currently stands. Stay tuned. Join us on Facebook. Join us on Twitter as well. We are constantly having conversation about what's going on up to the minute, uh, news-related situations that are going on. Join us on the Facebook group. Join us on the Spoken Pod on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you guys. Let us know what you guys are thinking as well. It's free to everybody to what you guys want to participate in. And we talk sports, all sports, all the time. So for Trevor Twidwell, for Eddie Ortiz, for the great Clay Wendler that puts all this stuff together, I am Lance Twidwell. Episode 158 of the Spoken Podcast is done, finished in finito. And until we're here next week for episode 159, and I clear my throat after this, we out of this bitch. Fuck the Browns. We're going to get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See ya. You are tuned in to Spoken. I might actually stick I might actually stick around for a little bit.